For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts. Morning all, i got to start with the good news regarding the Irish uh, soccer team. Ireland are going to the World Cup. You can feel it, you can taste it, you can imagine it. That's the story from this morning's Irish Times. And they're there on the back of a 1-0 win over Scotland in Hampden Park. And, uh, of course, we have three uh, girls playing on the Irish soccer team from Cork. Denise O'Sullivan, Megan Connolly and Saoirse Noonan in the squad. Uh, and I already got an email in this morning. Why not give them the freedom of the city? Uh, I'd say absolutely. Why not? Absolutely. Why not? Certainly, they need to be recognised in some way, shape or form officially on Leaside for that amazing achievement. The men weren't able to do it but the women certainly didn't let us down. And I believe as well that the early penalty kept them in the game. Uh, saving the early penalty uh, made all the difference. So more on that in a few minutes' time because I've got some audio on that. In fact, I've got a lot of audio to start the programme this morning. But women really dominate um, the papers today. Uh, of course, we have the death of Angela Lansbury. But just ahead of that, uh, there's another story regarding Irish women who are outperforming men in army fitness tests. <laughs> men, come on. Pick up the pace, guys. Uh, the success rate among female personnel is higher than males. You can't argue with the stats that they're in the star this morning. Women are forced to be reckoned with on the pitch and on the arm, in the army barracks as well. But we do have the death of uh, Angela Lansbury. Very short, just shy of her 97th birthday. 78 years of those were spent on stage both film and television. So she crossed all different ways. I mean, she was fantastic on the stage, did many, many movies. I remember watching her, I think, could well have been her first performance in a movie, I think, a moment of correction, Gaslight. She played a cheeky Cockney um, uh, worker in a home. I think she might have been working in the kitchen of... uh, of the home, but uh, that was a long, long time ago. Uh, and uh, I, there's some lovely backstories to her uh, in the papers today. She went on to win all sorts of uh, accolades, all sorts of awards. I don't think she ever got uh, an Oscar, um, but um, she certainly was nominated a lot for Murder, she wrote, for years and years. Every single time she'd be nominated for an Emmy, but fell short in those as well. She once said about it, actually, uh, that although she was nominated for an Emmy for each of the 12 seasons, she never won. Uh, she was quoted as one saying that nobody in Los Angeles actually watched Murder, she wrote. It was for everyone else all over the world. So more on that in a few minutes' time, but she uh, dominates all of the papers today, and they talk about her from uh, playing the part of a singing teapot to a Soviet spy uh, and all sorts in between. Uh, how playing America's version of Miss Marple, according to the turned Angela Lansbury into the richest woman in television history. And she uh, was a hard worker. She says, you don't learn to act. You either got into it, or, or either you got it, or you ain't got it. I just put my foot down and kept going for all of those years. So there are pages and pages of stories and tributes to her. Uh, Angela Lansbury passed away. In fact, the Cork Angle is covered very well in the Echo today. Um, and uh, not a whole lot of people would be talking about the Cork angle to this. You didn't hear it in RTE this morning, but that doesn't surprise me. But, um, of course, she, her grandmother originally came from Belfast, uh, and then she, the family moved to the UK. They ultimately moved to America during the Blitz in the Second World War. But she was saying her grandmother, who came from Belfast, used to come to Cork every winter because it was warmer down in Cork. She says the climate is warmer uh, and a little less difficult and sharp and cold than, say, up in Northern Ireland and Dublin, which is a good deal colder than Cork. And we all know that, actually. You can be in Cork in the morning 
and Dublin at lunchtime and you noticed a big drop in temperature and the further north you go. So it was for her health, of course, and she was much loved in Cork by many people uh, and lived for many years down Ballycotton Way. Um, of course, there are other uh, passings that are marked in the papers today and it is a time to mourn and it continues to be a time to mourn and probably will be in Chrysler for a long, long time. The front of the Independent this morning talks of the first of the 10 blast victims laid to rest in broken Donegal town. And the headline in the Indo today is that it is a time to mourn. But your heart would break if you saw the story on the front of the star today because the youngest victim of the Chrysler explosion was found in her daddy's arms by first responders. I find that so upsetting. Little five-year-old Shauna Flanagan Garway and her father, Robert, died in the blast on Friday. And even as they were dying and trying to protect each other, and certainly daddy trying to protect his daughter, they were found father with his daughter in his arms. It's just absolutely tragic. Do you recall some time ago, we were talking about different attacks on uh, bus drivers, particularly Cork bus drivers. And one in particular um, was commented on very much uh, on this program, and that was the Cork to Carrigaline bus. Now, there is, um, there, or at least there was a delegation of the National Bus and Rail Workers Union who met recently. They had their conference in Cork. And a bus driver took to the podium and she told of what happened to her on that bus, driving it uh, from Cork to uh, Crosshaven. I don't have time to go into all of it now, but I will come back to it yet, uh, a little later. But she says she was threatened with rape. She says it was the worst impact she ever suffered in her life. And she said that she described one of her worst nights at work when confronted by a gang of teens on a late night bus route between Cork City and Carrigaline. Um, she told the conference that I started work as usual, full of joy, very bubbly. Unfortunately, the situation didn't continue normally. She didn't give her name, but she picked up a group of teenagers on her bus, brought them to Carrigaline, where she said, hell came upon me on Halloween night in 2019. Some were refusing to, play, to pay. At one point, a group blocked the bus. They were standing with drinks in their hands. And it escalated into an absolute nightmare. Now, they say the driver who was originally from Romania was driving the bus. And for about 20 minutes, because she was from Romania, she got the most shocking racial, verbal and mental abuse. Threats of every single possibility that you can imagine. She was threatened that she was going to be raped, that she was going to be followed, that they were going to hurt my family. It was beyond frightening, she said. Uh, there's more to that article, which I'll come back to a little later on. There's a lot of crime-related stories. Um, you know, we're talking about people robbing cars or, you know, other people smashing windows of cars and vans yesterday. It's an interesting one involving a Range Rover that makes the echo today. I think it's an ongoing court case. But uh, the Garda evidence yesterday said that there was a guy accused of driving a Range Rover worth over 100 grand. There's even video footage of him uh, talking openly about stealing it. And he rammed it through the electric gates of the owner's house uh, trying to get away with it. So that's a court case that uh, makes the echo today. They also talk of another case that involves many residents of the Eagle Valley Residents Association. They've banded together to take a case against, um, well, there's like 188 households who have taken a case in the Wilton Estate against a landlord. And they're seeking compensation from Kevin O'Donovan, the landlord, because they claimed that he didn't address alleged criminal activity and antisocial behaviour of his tenants over a period of years um, and didn't terminate the tenancy. I, I imagine that um, this will run for a while in the tenancy tribunal. But could you imagine, because you can get financial compensation in this. So could you imagine if everybody 
got financial compensation if their case was upheard and there was 188 of them. Um, criminal activity, anti-social behaviour of tenants in a house in Eagle Valley. So that's an interesting one to watch as to where that one goes. And then for those that love your pets, there are a couple of pet-related stories in the papers today. One is a story in the Examiner that says Cork County Council is going to get its very first dedicated pet cemetery because backyard burials are not always the safest or most reliable option. There are private crem- crematoriums that your vet can sort out, but they're figuring the Cork County Council are just going to do the business themselves. And where's the other one then? There was um, There's a story in the papers today that, ah, oh, there it is. It's an old age pensioner's dog, a Jack Russell. Apparently the Jack Russell bit somebody and one thing led to another and it all ended up in court and there was an order um, given out in court that the dog needed to be put down. Now the owner of the dog is an 85-year-old chap He's a retired Garda, Donal Rogers, um, and it's a Roscommon story. But, my God, at his age now, um, and, you know, as you get older, I think company's very important. And for many, it can be a dog, and the dog is his world. So this story kicked off on social media. Everybody got involved in it, including Ricky Gervais, saying, is there any way that we can spare the death of this dog? The, the owner of the dog, uh, Roger, said that um, this is the first time ever that the dog ever um Kim's the name of the dog, ever nipped or bit anybody. Um, there's a big backlash against the person who was bitten, extraordinarily enough. <laughs> I don't get that. But anyway, there's been a stay of execution, and it looks as if Kim may survive. One of the parts of the story that make the paper today is that compensation would need to be paid, and then the stay would stay in place and Kim would not be put to death. So it's an interesting story regarding pets making the papers today. I don't mean... You're up annoying people with regards to COVID, but there is a story regarding face masks and their possible mandatory return on public transport and healthcare settings this winter. Winter, I'm just marking your card. It may not happen. It probably will if there's a COVID and a winter flu spike. They're calling it the twin pandemic. And do you remember Stephen Donnelly? Well, he's raised his head again and he said that there's a possibility and it will happen if needed that face masks will come back again. There's a lot of parent-related stories and family-related stories making the papers today that it will come back to throughout the course of the morning. Uh, but let's drive on. Text 0868104106. The Neil Prendeville Show. Cork's number one talk show. Pure Cork. On Red FM. So, just some audio and clips and stuff with regards to uh, Angela Lansbury because, of course, the Cork connection is very, very important. Uh, and everybody knows that she lived here on Side in Cork for many, many, many years. And maybe people had an opportunity to meet with her. I know that my, my wife and my daughter once, about seven or eight years ago, uh, did get an opportunity to meet uh, Angela Lansbury down in Ballymaloo at the grain store. Uh, she was down there. Uh, there was a showing of Driving Miss Daisy in which she starred. And she was there at it. And they came home buzzing because they're both huge fans of Murder, She Wrote. And she said the amount of time that Angela Lansbury, Lansbury gave to everybody down in Ballymaloo on that night was incredible. She was in absolutely no rush. She was happy to sit and talk and chat and have photographs taken. And they came back saying, oh my God, it was just so incredible to meet her because she was so well loved. And can I just stay with the Ballymaloo collection, a connection if you don't mind. I'm joined by Darina Allen, who's a great friend over the years of Angela Lansbury. Darina, good morning. Good morning. And do you, you realise that that night... Uh, actually, she'd been gardening, um, you know, a few days earlier and had splintered her knee and she arrived in a wheelchair, uh, even though she must have been very uncomfortable. She actually was so determined to come and 
support Rory and uh, uh, at the grain store for that screening, which actually was the second screening because the first one hadn't worked and she came along to support him and she was absolutely mobbed. She was, yeah. And you said the question and answer session for ages. People couldn't believe their good luck that she was there. She was so loud. You were very close, not just you, but Myrtle as well, I believe, was very close to her, wasn't she? she, uh, she came to Bamaloo and uh, she, uh, regularly, regularly, they came and stayed at, at Bamaloo, uh, particularly before they had their house over here. And uh, so, uh, and, but she was such an easy, lovely person. She was witty and elegant and so gracious and not a bit sort of blingy. Like, and she had always sort of really kept away in a way, uh, kept away from the sort of real celebrity scene in L.A. And she loved Ireland and loved being able to fully relax. And she, of course, loved to garden and uh, uh, and uh, also to cook as well. She actually stayed in our house here, uh, our own home, uh, in for several months. Actually, at one stage, while her house was being built, she was very fond. She was very close to the Pierces as well. Stephen Pierce helped her to design her uh, house in in uh, uh, the uh, west of of Ballycotton on the coast. And uh, what do you think attracted her? What was what was it that she loved about East Cork? In I mean, I did oh, mention well, earlier on that the climate was milder than other parts of the country, for instance. <laughs> yes. Well, also, of course, she had Irish blood. She was her mother was Moina uh, McGill, and her father uh, was uh, uh, Edgar. But she had, uh, and deep in her, her was her, in it, almost epigenetic thing was her, her uh, love, a uh, craving and love, love of Ireland. She loved Irish people, and she loved being able to be totally herself here and wander around and. Um, you know, without being sort of generally interfered with and stuff. She loved, loved that. You don't, yeah. you don't really get plagued in Corks, you don't, when you're famous well, or a I celebrity know, like that. Yeah, that, that, a lot of people say that, that, you know, you can, people will acknowledge you, tell you they love what you're doing and then you can get on with it without too much of this, uh, what a lot of celebrities seem to find this hero worship thing very difficult. <laughs> getting anyway. the impression and that she, she was... She loves the Aga. I'm just the talking about her saying in this house here, we have an ancient Aga in our kitchen and uh, she loved being able to cook on the Aga and she loved sitting down around the kitchen table for a kitchen supper you know she was, that was all meant she could be absolutely herself while she was here in yeah, Ireland yeah, and yeah. Uh, she always remember that yeah. it's, it's amazing that she was so down to earth considering her fame and her enormous wealth really uh, they describe yeah. her in the papers this morning as one of the last surviving stars of the golden age of Hollywood we forget how long she was on the stage and acting you know yeah, well, I don't know. I think I read somewhere her her career spanned pretty much eighty years. You know, I mean, absolutely one of the longest in 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 uh, film history, really. And uh, of course, both on stage and screen, she was phenomenal. And because she was so unassuming and gracious, you know, people, she, everybody felt comfortable around her. She was just lovely. Yeah, yeah. What a contribution, and how fortunate we were that our paths crossed in life. Lovely, well said. A lovely tribute. Thank you for it, Darina. Let get you, let you get back to it. Appreciate the, taking the call this morning, Trina Allen at uh, Ballymaloo. So, some bits of audio for you regarding the late great Angela Lansbury, uh, and of course, we all know. We, all, I mean, you're gonna be you're gonna be hearing a lot of this, I suppose, but everybody knows uh, this tune. Funny 
ended up as reading an article earlier on this morning regarding all of the different series of uh, murders she wrote. If I could find the damn thing now. But one of them actually was a, was a British article online where they were talking about the, um, the different episodes of Murder, She Wrote that were based on in this part of the world. There was, I think, three episodes that I know of that had, you know, were supposedly based in Cork, right? Um, and it's amazing because they talked about the three episodes that were based in Cork at the time and then asked the public reading the article, have we missed any British Isles-based murder she wrote besides the three we've named? <laughs> British Isles. Would you give me a bloody break? But this was Angela Lansbury then, just some years back, actually, talking in conversation uh, with uh, Larry King. Tale as old as time, song as old as rhyme, beauty and the beast. Run along and get in the cupboard, chip. <laughs> Tom, you was in bed. Good night, love. You're 93, I'm 85. Yeah. I know what keeps me going is I love what I do. What keeps you going? I think that I'm interested in, in every part of life. In other words, not just acting, but everything that is given to us as human beings to in, indulge ourselves in, in our lives. That's what interests me. My grandchildren, my life, cooking, driving, being independent, I think, is p- very much part of my credo. I lost my darling husband uh, many years ago, and I've had to create a life for myself without him. But I ha- what do I have in place of him? Oh, nobody could replace him. But, but I mean, I have my grandchildren now, and uh, their lives interest me greatly. Yeah, and somebody texted as well about saying Just to add about Angela Lansbury, one of the big reasons she moved to Cork was that uh, some children or children were having bit of trouble in LA um, and she decided to take them all away from that and decided to move to Ireland and to move to Cork and where the richer uh, with her presence and Angela's talking here about uh, why she was in the wheelchair before the screening of Driving Miss Daisy and Rena just referenced it there a few seconds ago uh, the screening of Driving Miss Daisy at the grain store in Ballymaloo House I can't tell you why I'm sitting here in a wheelchair uh, I arrived in town last Friday and uh, on Saturday, uh, my son Anthony and I decided the place was so dry, we should get the hoses out. So we did. And we put the, they were wound up on those plastic gadgets, you know, that you, you, put, you store the hose on. Well, we had a little accident because uh, Anthony was at the top of the hill, I was at the bottom, and we were trying to ream out the hose so that he could, um, you know, water the, the roses at the top. And in doing so, I took just moved the wrong way and landed very, very hard on my left hip. So uh, I had to go to the doctor in Cork and he said, well, you, you have a, uh, a hairline fracture of your left hip. <laughs> so I, I was really shocked because I have an artificial hip anyway. How <laughs> <laughs> can you have a piece of lead in your body and also have a, a, a stress fracture? So anyway, he said it would take 12 weeks, but for the first four or five, whatever it takes, Stay off it. So here I am. I'm off it, but I'm, I'm with it, and I'm loving being with you. And uh, please forgive me for not being on that. Could have done a bit of stand-up comedy as well as everything else that she was brilliant at. Angela Lansbury on Lisa. I don't know there was Bez Nobson 
broomsticks and other movies like that everybody loved and Beauty and the Beast. I know in our house, my daughter would often say to Paula, well, we have an Angela, meaning where we sit down and watch. They have a box set of the damn thing at home and watch it constantly. Uh, not everybody's cup of tea, I grant you that. But then again, many, many people all over the world will be mourning her passing this morning. Uh, text 0868104106 if you have a memory or a contribution to make with regards to that. But I can't allow the moment to go on without going back to the terrific news that Ireland... Uh, Ireland's women are going to the World Cup and it dominates the papers this morning. Uh, Some audio for you. This is the goal, lads. Uh, Let me just get myself together. This is the goal that qualified us for the World Cup. Now it's O'Sullivan. And there's the run of Barrett. And Barrett's giving herself a chance here. Amber Barrett in on goal. Amber Barrett makes the breakthrough. That was sheer brilliance from Amber Barrett. The first touch to take her clear was absolutely terrific. And Amber Barrett kneels in celebration in honour of the Donegal folk who passed away in the disaster in Chrysla. Here is the free kick. We're in the 52nd minute of the second half. Rosen takes it. That's it. Esther blows the whistle. And Ireland are going to the World Cup. in Glasgow as they say in the paper this morning they will take their place among the nations of the earth in Australia and New Zealand in 2023 something wonderful to look forward to some more audio before I move along this is a clip with Denise O'Sullivan from Knocknaheeny and Katie McCabe interviewed by RTE's soccer correspondent fellow Corkonian Tony O'Donoghue My apologies, I seem to have uh, mislaid that audio clip. Maybe we can just reload that again. Uh, It just absolutely just disappeared off the screen. Some sort of a gremlin. But I will come back to it as soon as it it reloads. Um, This was a piece that they did afterwards. And I hope that on Leaside, at some stage, there will be some kind of uh, recognition uh, for the girls. I know there will be. Uh, Somebody suggested, I think Frick down in Passage this morning was uh, suggesting that it should be the freedom of the city uh, for Denise uh, and indeed for Saoirse uh, and also uh, for Katie. The audio clip is back. My apologies for that. Where is it? There it is. Found it again. Hang on. Your pass, your pass for Amber Barrett, that was made in Cork somewhere. Yeah, look, um, made in Knocklehini, boy! We spoke about it beforehand, all we needed was one chance and we caught him on the counter. Um, I turned and the space was the space was wide open and played Amber through and it was a great finish from her, so... Um, very, very so slow into the net, honestly. It did. trickled in. But I'm very proud and look, we have a lot of fans out here tonight, so we want to thank them and we're going to a World Cup. It's a, it's a dream come true for all of us, so thank you. Couldn't have said it any better myself. Well done to all concerned. Something great to look forward to. And dedicating the goal, of course, uh, to Chrysler and the families of those who lost loved ones. Back after the break. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818-104-106. Red FM. Okay, I hope to have an update at some stage this morning regarding the eviction down Bantry Way of Christina and her husband and their two small children and she uh, about to give birth to her third baby, but we did uh, we did contact um, Gardaí and County Council yesterday and get a response until we got off the air, but just to bring you up to date on that, um, we asked them about what was going on and then the guards said originally uh, that on Tuesday, yesterday, at seven, they say 7am, although Christina said it was 
closer to 6am. The guard said at approximately 7am, Gardaí from West Cork Division were present in Bantry at the execution by Cork County Council of a circuit court order. Gardaí were present to ensure that peace was maintained during the execution of the warrant by Cork County Council. No incidents have been reported and no arrests have been made. So then Seamus went back and asked again this question. When asked if the woman's late stage of pregnancy was taken into account, we got the following response from the Gardaí. They said, as previously stated, members of Vanguardia Shikona were present at the location to maintain peace during the execution of a warrant by Cork County Council. We have no further comment to make at this time. The Gardaí will not say for operational reasons, and this is me speaking, how many members of the Gardaí were there, but there were certainly... Um, a couple of dozen, uh, perhaps, you know, even more according to... Uh, so I don't know because uh, I can't... Maybe maybe I'll be able to find out from the likes of uh, the Southern Star at some stage. So we asked Cork County Council as to, you know, why they were there and why they did what they did or attempted to do what they did yesterday. They said the site in question is council-owned. It adjoins a halting site. The site is separate and distinct from the halting site. There's been unauthorised occupation of the site in recent times and it necessitate, necessitated the council seeking a court order for that site adjacent to the halting site to be vacated. Uh, the council was successful in securing the court order earlier this year. The court order was served on the occupants and required them to clear the site so that vacant possession be returned to the council. Arising from the failure of the occupants to comply with the court order, the council was authorised to take necessary action to clear the site. So then we asked the council, do you have anything to say with the fact that this woman is in late stages of pregnancy and two weeks before giving birth to a baby? And they responded by saying, Cork County Council, do not comment on individual uh, cases. That's as much of the responses as we got from both the Gardaí and uh, Cork County Council. I don't know how much of that Christina heard, but she joins me by phone. Christina, good morning. How are you doing? I'm good. Um, how have the last 24 hours been? What happened since we spoke last, yesterday morning? The last time we spoke, and, um, the guards and the councillors, after removing themselves away, they haven't bothered us since. They've just took everything away. But before they left, they gave my husband three options, and that was for to either put the caravan outside on the side of the road, or when we leave, for to, they'll break down the caravan. Uh, when we're gone, or to give us two weeks' notice, a week or two notice for to get out. So my husband had no other choice to take the third option, and that was we cannot leave the caravan because the minute we leave it, we stay inside because if we leave it, that the caravan's getting taken. So those three options again are to go. The second one was when you leave it for any reason, they'll break it down. By the time we're back, it's gone. Yeah, yeah. and the third one was. That uh, I think it was a week or two. Give us a week or two for to get everything sorted for to get out. Okay, so either so go we now. Have to, we have we have nowhere to go, like you know. Go now. Go in the next yeah. two weeks, or when yeah. you leave it to go shopping or to pick up the kids or anything like that. What will they do to it? It's going to be it be gone by the time we're back or home. They'll take it. Yeah, and they'll then, take it. And then they all left. Is it? That's right. But before any of this, yesterday morning. The, our home was definitely getting taken off us just in the morning and we don't know the reason why it hasn't been taken off us we don't know the reason why they left so easy without taking this home because they were really down top of us just in the morning for to take our home off us like. right, right, they backed, they backed off they for did, now they, anyway yes, they did for now, I don't right. know what's going to happen now Aldis, but I know I can't leave my home now at the moment anyways with the kids it seems from what the I, council have said is that you're on a part of land 
that is adjoining the actual halting site. Why didn't you just move it on to the halting site? That's right. They're trying to tell me I'm on a part of land, the council, but I am not on no land. This was an in court uh, my, uh, here going back early January. Uh, my father-in-law was up in court. So he was for this part of land. So he was because he was... Um, he was owning this place. He was living beside it for the last 40 years. 40 and he was years. Up yeah, yeah. So he's so 40. He was up in, someone's he was up been on that land for 40 years, that portion of land. No, he was using this. Right. No, you he see. He was using it. No, what I'm saying to you is they went to court, right? And That's they, right. And, and they, all down to, they all won down in to this but, part of land. I know, but they won in court, Christina. That's what I'm saying to you. That's no, the problem. No, they didn't win for this. It, it, it was his father that was up. My husband's father was up against the council. It wasn't Peter, my husband. Right. It was his father that was up against him in court. I know, but what I'm reading into this is that they got a court order. That's right. Against the occupants on the site. Yes, but it was made quite clear in the court that time that we had nowhere to go. Or Could anything you, like that. You know, the, you know the other three. You know but the other three. Oh, I know. I'm trying, trying to help you here. You know the yeah. other three mobiles on the actual official site. Is there room to go there? There is room inside the other uh, other site. Just for us to go in and they will not leave us in the other we pleaded with them we pleaded with them before we moved in here we pleaded and they wouldn't leave us the others on the halting site won't let you yes okay so you're a snooker no so. the council won't leave us into the far side it's the council themselves I don't know and they're all they're all the one family like you know so you're as, you're, you're still as worried as you were yesterday morning then nothing's really changed there's nothing really changed just I'm here in my caravan and I can't leave it since yesterday morning. Have the kids been to school yesterday or today? No, and uh, my daughter's teacher has been informed of everything that's going on as well. Right, right. Uh, which, uh, that's the reason why she's not getting left into school of her home, trying to take her home and they're, they're, they're shocked like about things. So her teacher's been informed as well. Uh, are you getting much support locally down along? No, getting no support at all to be honest. Okay, what about traveller groups and Pavy Point and... The visibility group that represents travellers. Are they on your side? Anybody helping in that yeah, regard? Yeah, I, I got onto Pavy Point this just waiting on phone calls back. They, they, they broke out two sheds. They broke a caravan already. Ties bank my kids. They're tearing everything out already. So it's just a, basically our home that's left there and we can't leave it. We do the kids. Do you have a little shed next to the caravan that they took apart, is it? Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yes, two sheds and a, a little caravan. Yeah. Yeah. How long did it, how long was Peter with them yesterday morning? Quite a long time, I'd say. Oh, they didn't leave here until about could be half twelve, one o'clock yesterday before they left out here. Okay. And did you manage? Did, did you manage to count the amount of people that came? Sorry. Did you count how many people actually came for the eviction? There was a. I heard there was some. Uh, I found out afterwards after finishing talking to you that some of the guards was from Dublin. They brought some guards from Dublin down. And um, there was lots out here at the front side. There was more down, you know, um, where Super Value was a bit down beyond that. There was another Jeep with guards stopping cards from coming up. Yeah, do you know how many in total, do you? No, there, there was a lot there now. There was mm. a lot. Mm. There what was some going for coffee and tea, right. and there was others coming on, and then there was more going. Do you ever see that way? But what are you going to do? I mean, some you're going to have to go shopping, or you're going to have you're going to have things that you need to do. You can't. You can't just... Well, the way it is, well, say my husband will have to stay when I have to go somewhere and I'll have to stay when he goes somewhere with the kids. Both of us can't go out together, do you understand? Right, okay. That's the way it is now. And um, what option are you going to take? Are you going to try and find somewhere in the next couple of weeks? Well, we're going to try... We, we have nowhere to go. It's up now to the council for to do something about this. Have they not offered but, alternative accommodation? 
No, it's it, it, it's been going around that we were off. Uh, we were offered accommodation on the the rope walk. We were not. We were never offered anything. Accommodation where? Sorry. On the rope walk. We were never. We were never offered any accommodation at all. We were willing to pay rent here and everything where we were, and they wouldn't accept it. They would not accept. So they've just said you have to go, but they haven't given you any alternatives or any That's help. It, the, the, the word I got used to the morning was, will you please come out? It's happening today um, for to go up to some church drive. I don't know where church drive is, to be honest, to my, to my parents. My parents don't live up here. My parents live in, in, in Clare, Ennis. And my, my little girls go to school up here, but, so I couldn't leave here and, and leave her out of school like an offering. Yeah, but they haven't offered, just trying to find out, did they offer you an alternative site near to where you are and where the, near the kids' school and everything like that? No. Offered me nothing like that. Okay, okay, okay. So what are you going to do? You going to uh, stay put? I, or? I have no other choice to stay put because I was told that the minute we leave and we come back, our home is going to be gone. We were told that yesterday. But in the next week or two, what will you do? Well, I have to. The way of saying, I'm going to have to look more into this now. Check see will do something for me. That's all I can do. Mm, mm. They were aware. They were aware of your advanced pregnancy, weren't they? They were not aware of my of my pregnancy. They, mu- they must have been. They were been. not aware of it. But when they were made aware that you were nine months pregnant, that didn't seem yeah, to make any difference. Yeah, that morning when they came, they knew it. Yeah. yeah. So that's when I said, I, I, where did I go? They said, I don't want to put you in any stress, but say, you are putting me through stress this morning. You are putting me through stress. So they, they okay. were standing at my front door caravan at half past six. Uh, no, seven o'clock, sorry, to start the, I, I opened my door to look out. A guard stood at the door and wouldn't leave me lock it in. They stood from 7 o'clock until half past nine before they could leave me lock my own door. And none of this has to do with any criminality or antisocial behaviour or anything, does it? No, I did see, other, I did see other Delaney's that were in the, in the courts there recently. And, well, now, I can't speak for other ones. No, I know, I know that. Me and my husband, yeah, me you. and my husband or my kids has never did anything to them. Yeah, yeah. And they cannot say that we did because we didn't. Okay, okay, okay. We did not. Okay, you're quiet and peaceable and just get on yeah, with your lives and rarely. I does my own thing. I'm on my own side and I does my own thing. And when you I go haven't bothered a council, I haven't bothered anyone, but I did explain to them that time with the with the with the, with the court early January that in in where the the not the bay is the first bay, the first site, the halting site. Could we could we pull something inside there because it is Peter's family and stuff? They told us we couldn't pull it there. So they couldn't, but I had nowhere else to go with my kids at the time, and I was willing to pay rent for where I was. What have the kids been saying about all this? Do you mind me asking? They're they're on about it all day yesterday. They were ask, asking us their home getting taken from them and all. They said they were taking our home. Why didn't they take their uh, our home? They said. Yeah. I said no, sorry, they're not taking our home. I know. What else could I tell my kids in all fairness? I know. You see, you don't want so, them having nightmares either, you know. Yeah, that's the truth. Yeah. Now they were sleeping in bed last night. Now they're waking up now. They're asleep as well. Chopping out their sleeps as well. My two children was. Yeah. I, I, wondering, I, I, wondering, are they going to come back? They said, is the guards going to come back and take her home when I put them to bed yesterday, yesterday evening? I told them that they weren't coming back. My children is terrified. It's tough being a traveller, isn't it? With the, with oh, the, you definitely. Know, the, you know, definitely, yeah. Definitely. D- discrimination that could be shown. See, p- yeah, people definitely. see travellers and they think they treat them all the same, you know? That's right, definitely, yeah. Which is very unfair. You, you are aware of the story over in Killarney where there's... Uh, uh, 135 Ukrainian women and children they're having to go from Killarney up to Mayo because they need the hotel in Killarney to put in 200 male ref, uh, asylum seekers who are moving from w- City West. Are you aware of all of that? 
No, I wasn't aware of all yeah. that. But I know there's yeah. a lot of people mentioning the Ukrainians and this, that, and the other. I know they're still, as what you call, humans as well. Yeah. I am not saying anything bad about you. No, I'm just making the point that yeah. there doesn't seem to be any issue in moving Ukrainians or asylum seekers no, around in accommodation. If they're not housing Ukrainians, they're putting them into hotels, putting them into other. Oh, what about me and my two children? And me only three weeks left to go to hospital. I'm, I'm, I'm not getting offered many places. I know. Where will you give birth? Where will you have the baby? Sorry? Where will you have the baby? I have no other choice to have my baby inside Limerick because I do have complications with my pregnancies. You don't so need this. I have no other this. choice to have it in Limerick. You don't need this. You don't yeah. need this. So I'm quite a good bit away as well, like, you know? Yeah. Okay, yeah. so uh, what happens next? Any idea? I haven't got a clue what's coming out of this now. What does Peter I think? Really what does don't. Peter think he should do? Well, the way Peter is here, he has no other choice, like, for it to explain to them, like, they have to do something for us. They can't leave us outside the road, you know? With two kids. Another one on the way. Mm. They can't do things like that. They cannot do it. Yeah. And it's not like that we that we, we, we came to a place and stayed on it like without asking and things. We explained to them inside the court that we had nowhere to go. My husband explained how he was there so long. How they were, they were, they were used in the back of this place for a long time and I there was know. nothing getting said about it until this caravan was put in. And to be honest, they just said, he said in the court, if I leave here, he said, well, are you going to put me somewhere? He said, no, we're not putting you somewhere. You'd have to go to the side of the road, he said, and I have to find some place of your own. He didn't even offer us a place. I know, I know. And it's the manner in which it was done as well. And that hour of the morning with children in bed and everything, it's just, it's That's way, right. it was and a way honest, over the all, top reaction. Yeah. Through all the years, they had not complained about this place that we're staying in. Through all the years until this happened is now they're talking about it. I know. They want to turn this into the car park for Super Value, and Super Value already has a car park. They just wanted an excuse just to do something with it for, for other people to be left out on the side of the road. That's well, exactly that, that, what that's it is. all very well, but uh, in doing that, they need to give you some alternative options, you know? That's right, but they weren't giving us no options at all. It was just the side of the road, that was it. All right, girl, listen, I'll stay in touch with you. If there are any developments or updates, just pick up the phone and come back to me, all right? Thanks very much, and thanks for getting contact back All with right, me. All right, Christina, take care. Thank take you. Care, okay, bye, care. bye, bye, uh, bye. A lot of texts on this from yesterday morning. I bet they're going to use that site to house Ukrainians and modular homes in Bantry. Still, tell Christina to stay strong. Apparently not. Apparently a car park, the same for a supermarket. Uh, hi, Frank says, so much for a shortage of Gardaí. There was no shortage of Gardaí for that eviction yesterday morning. Uh, a person may be deemed to be in adverse possession of property, when he is or she is the sole exclusive occupation, uh, that should say occupant, without knowledge of the legal owner. Um, this is to do with what, you know, what, what, what deems to be squatter's rights. Another person says squatter's rights do not apply to this family living on the land for 40 years. It's more theirs. Uh, oh, do, not, do squatter's rights not apply to this family? Uh, they've been there for 40 years. It's their land, not the council's. Uh, the authorities and the guardian will only act on an eviction when all other options have failed and paperwork is in order. Uh, she must, at some stage, have gotten notice to leave. Uh, all these big traveller families and communities, and she has nowhere to go. I find that a bit hard to believe that other traveller families won't help. Um, I find it hard to believe that the council will have gone through the long and lengthy process through courts for a legal eviction and not informed the tenants that they were actually going to knock on their door. They never, they never inform the time. They, I mean, they, they don't send you a text and say we're calling at seven a.m. in the morning. There'll be twenty of us. They just don't. They just. They don't do that like that. It's the element of surprise at that hour of the morning. Uh, a bit of traveller background for you. There are two sites there, the upper and the lower. The caravans on the lower lot have been there for 40 years. The lower lot, um, 
Oh, sorry, the caravans on the upper lot have been there for 40 years, but the lower lot caravans only moved in a year ago and there's been an eviction notice in place for the past six months. It's only being acted on now. Please, please, please stop letting people on who have no idea what's going on regarding the eviction, speaking about it and bringing up other issues like Ukrainians. You need to screen your calls, uh, says Billy. So there's that and lots more besides after the break. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. Back to text in a few minutes' time. Thank you to Jimmy for standing by. First up, Sean, good morning. Morning, Neil. Morning. I'm good. This is uh, regarding the West Cork eviction, is it? No. Well, yes, these are my knickers now after listening to the interview there. Okay, why? Um, why? 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 Um... That lady, I can't remember her name, Catherine, is it? Christina. 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 Christina told you a completely different story this morning to what she told you yesterday morning. Not really. In what way was it different? She said she knew nothing at all about it, that that the guards arrived along, the guards and the council arrived along at six o'clock in the morning to take her out of her home. Mm -hmm. And uh, she said now that she was in court and that this was said in court and that was said in court... So she was well aware of what was happening. Yes, there, there was a discrepancy there yesterday morning and this morning it, between it, the court it, appearance. It, yeah, yeah. It, it wasn't a discrepancy. You know, it's it's a bit disingenuous to say it was a discrepancy. Okay, but it you was a, but, but, a picture that was painted. Okay, but you still have a pregnant woman and two small children and a and a, and a baby on the way. Um, yeah. um, having, uh, you know, guards and council officials knocking on their door, banging down their door, sometime between six and seven in the morning. It could equally have been done at lunchtime, you know, or when the kids were in school, for God's sake. Yeah, um, it could have. That would be the common sense approach to it, like. No, it wouldn't. No? Why? No, because there would be a day's work involved in moving the caravan from one spot to the other. So you would start early in the morning. A lot of people start work early in the morning. What time did you get up this morning? I got up this morning at uh, ten minutes past six. Yeah, okay. Like like an awful lot of people in this country. No, that's not the point. If the bank, if you owed money to the bank, right, you weren't paying your mortgage, yeah. um, w- would the bank be baiting down the door with guards at ten past six in the morning? Absolutely. With guards at ten past six in the morning? Yes, and the guards are not there to evict you. They're there to prevent a breach of the peace. Yeah. And the guards would be there as well assisting a bank, is it? To bang your no, door down at ten past six in the morning because you failed to pay your mortgage? They, they would not be... Uh, the guards are not there to enforce the eviction order. The sheriff's office does that. But they were there the yesterday morning. The guards were there. Yeah, it was that they, time in the morning. It's two children terrorised inside may, the caravan. Maybe if you'd listen, rather than having your answer before I'd finish. Listening? Listening. The guards are present at any event like that in order to, to prevent a breach of the peace. They're not there to enforce the court order. That's the job of the council or the sheriff's office if to an eviction. I had occasion to be in my son's house that he was renting a good number of years ago when uh, they were coming along at 7 o'clock to evict him yeah. because he w- his landlord had not paid the mortgage. He was informed of what time they were coming and they were coming to change locks. As it so happened, he was away on holidays and I went up to the house and I had to struggle with the sheriff um, in order to get him 
to go away and come back when my son had a chance to move his stuff out of the house. All his clothes, he's a carpenter, all his tools would have been locked in for a period of about two weeks before he could get out. Oh my God, that was a seriously bad break, the misfortune. He's paying his rent, the landlord's not paying the mortgage. It it, it, it was desperate. It was desperate. But I just said, this is the way the wheels turn, unfortunately. You see, I'm, I, I understand that people have their own their own opinions of the travelling community or sections of them, and God knows yep. some of the travellers don't do all of the travellers any favours. But we're still talking about a six-year-old and a four-year-old and a pregnant woman. Yep. Who were well aware of what was happening. And they made no effort to vacate the site. That's what it seems to me. They would have had uh, letters or court orders delivered to them. But... But but, but still they have no but, they, the but, like. but still they have nowhere to go. And yet the front pages of the newspapers this morning are talking about moving 125 Ukrainians from accommodation in Killarney yeah. up the west of yeah. Ireland, and they're not happy with that. And they're moving 200 males, incidentally, male yeah. asylum seekers from yeah, City I, West I'm down I'm to the hotel in Killarney. And everybody's I, up I'm in arms about that. I'm aware. I'm aware of that, and that shouldn't be happening. But it is. We both. We both. It is, I know, and that's actually the the basis of my call to you was on a on a text that I submitted there with regard to um, people coming along and saying that uh, Ukrainians are being housed, and I put in my text, uh, would you call it being left in a tent over the winter, uh, being housed, or put in a family put in a hotel room being housed. No, I wouldn't. Because, not for a moment. Because there was people rang in yesterday saying, oh, the Ukrainians are getting houses and things. I'm not aware of them getting houses. Uh, there, and they're not... There, there would be there would be some houses, all right, rented by councils around the country and indeed uh, in Cork, but they're temporary. Ab- absolutely, but they're few and far between. I live in Yall, the quality hotel outside there's loads of them in their garden. And they're not just Ukrainians... They're war refugees. That's that's what they are. And like that was desperate what happened up in Creaselock. Ten people killed. That's happening every day when missile drops out of the sky anywhere. They're building modular homes down in Mahan. They'll be like somewhere between two and three hundred by the new year down there for um Uh, and isn't that for people fleeing war. My my point is you've a Regardless of what you feel about travellers, there's a pregnant woman and two small children going to school and nobody seems to give a oh, damn. Oh, sorry, how do I feel about travellers? I'm not I talking... I'm not, no, I'm not talking because about you. I haven't said... I'm not talking about you. I said I'm, I'm talking I'm, to, I'm talking globally. People's opinions vary on okay. them. I, I yeah. see the text coming in saying, sling your hook. You're not entitled to it. You can't live above the law. It infuriates me when people say it's discrimination. Uh, it's not discrimination. Those that, kind of texts. That's true. You cannot live above the law. Yeah. And the council workers or whoever knocking on uh, that girl's door at six o'clock in the morning was the last act in a very long, drawn-out process. Okay, my friend. Okay, okay. Out of time for now, but thanks for your contribution, Sean. The last act in a very long, drawn-out process. Text 0868104106. Back after 10. I'm Rory. And I'm Valerie. And you can join us for the very best in local, national and international sport every weekend on The Big Red Bench. That's The Big Red Bench. Every Saturday and Sunday from 6 on Cork's Red FM. 
Get it off your chest. Text the Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Lovely texts on the late Angela Lansbury. She opened the Everyman back when it opened as a theatre in the 1990s, says Nathan in Grange. And she was a lovely lady. You might remember Alan from Knockadoon, uh, who had a story about Angela Lansbury some weeks ago. He texted this morning to say, very sad to hear of Angela's passing, especially after I spoke to you just a week ago about the time I was lost in Roach's stores. She was a lovely approachable woman, very friendly and a great actress, Er yesterday Gorev Anonym. I think um, the story regarding Alan was that he was lost and he just approached a woman that he saw in Roach's stores. It happened to have been Angela Lansbury <laughs> who was shopping in Roach's stores at the time. It's a wonderful story. I think if I remember correctly she, she gave him a few bob. Was it a tenner or £20 note or a €20 note was substantial. 20 I think, yeah. Substantial amount of money. Joe and Bruff says, uh, Morning, Angela played Elvis's mother in the 1961 film Blue Hawaii, the Elvis Presley film. It is said that Elvis wasn't too fond of her because he felt she talked down to him. I can't imagine that being one of her traits. I would have thought quite the opposite. R.A.P. Angela Lansbury, a wonderful actress. I watched three series in a row on Sunday and I've read some of her books. Uh, thanks, Neil. Not uh, a mind... Uh, of our own tragedy on Donegal, I know uh, it puts life into perspective. The Lord help them in Donegal. So thank you for your comments on both of those. Keep those texts coming. Uh, quite an amount on the eviction down in Bantry. If I could just do a few of those for you this morning. Um, and they include, I'm sorry now, but uh, I'm from Bantry. I know the situation. While I don't condone the banging on their door at that hour of the morning, they're not telling you the whole story. The family moved, this family has moved a massive mobile home onto this piece of land which is on the other side from the existing halting site. For the last few years, travellers have been trying to commandeer this piece of land by putting donkeys and broken down vehicles on the site. The council have taken them to court previously about this site, which does belong to the council. This piece of land doesn't have its own water. It's, again, the travellers trying to take over the land. You should see the state of the place on the main road, which leads to the beach. There's trailers of rubbish overflowing. The recent litter report highlighted this. This and the wider issues regarding uh, travellers being housed in various housing estates through Bantry, but they still want to live in mobiles. One or two more. Please, please stop letting people on who have no idea what's going on regarding the eviction. Well, allowing people to have an opinion and to have their own thoughts on it, assuming it's broadcastable. Whilst, whilst I don't agree with the manner in which they're trying to threaten and bully the girl out of her house, what entitles her and her husband from being exempt from paying their taxes, sourcing planning permission and paying their way? The definition of squatting is the un- un- unlawful occupation of unused land. It's there in the definition. What they're doing is unlawful. She is not entitled, no more than any of us, to live for free or to live above the law. It absolutely infuriates me when the law comes down on people of any walks of life and it's immediate discrimination or racism, people say. It's not. It's the attempt to treat everyone fairly. If I couldn't pay my mortgage, what would happen? The banks would take my house. If I was staying in a house paying no rent, what would happen? I would be kicked out. So thank you for those. There are more. I'll come back to them throughout the course of the morning. Text 0868-104-106. But let me go back to some topics from earlier in the week because I know we spoke of different stories uh, yesterday regarding foster parents and foster care. A little later this morning, I will um, bring you a har- uh, harrowing, horrific story of um, brothers and sisters who were fostered out to a farming family. So we had a a number of children, four of them, very small, 
and another group of very small children from another family, also very small, in total seven, fostered to a family who lived and ran a farm. And to be quite honest with you, it was nothing short of slave labour what these children were put through. And I'm talking about the 1980s. There have been redress boards and there have been investigations and there have been all sorts of tribunals and inquiries regarding mother and baby homes, industrial schools, what happened in industrial schools. And I know some children who were in industrial schools were fostered out, for want of a better term, uh, two families. Um, And I spoke on the air on numerous occasions with men who, as very young people, young children, were fostered out to farmers and they just had their fingers worked to the bone for free. Slavery, if you like. So more on that a little later on. But that shouldn't take from the wonderful work that foster parents do. There's a story in the papers this morning that says that stay-at-home parents, if you're to add up all of the amount of money and the value you would put on a stay-at-home parent in an Irish family, research says that it works out at €53,480 a year. I'm assuming nobody is suggesting that a mam or a dad who stays at home to rear the family should be paid fifty four grand. Or may, maybe they are. Maybe you think that maybe families, members who stay at home should be paid a state wage of €54,000. Your thoughts are welcome at that. But there's about 350,000 stay-at-home parents. And the vast majority of them, nearly 95% of women, are women. I just thought it would be an interesting uh, stat to give you, uh, considering we're talking about minding children, either our own or others. I want to talk to Jimmy, if you don't mind. Jimmy, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm good. You're a stay-at-home foster carer in the sense you gave up your job yeah. yeah yeah I gave up like like it really upset me yesterday when we were talking about um, in it for the money like I gave up my job if I was still working I'd be on a 30 grand a year plus job at the moment so before I start I'm down 30 grand a year if you wish like what is the what is the allowance or the, or the payment if you like per week per week yeah. it's I it comes every fortnightly. It's 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 two thousand something, and um, but like when you break that down, there's there's a lot a lot a lot of work goes into it. Like 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 things that people don't see is is like on on one of the on one of the the list. I said we're supposed to pay for basic, basic travel. Yeah. So my my basic travel okay is like I one fella who's doing Gaelic curling soccer. And I've another fellow doing another sport, and it's a minimum. If the games are at home, it's a minimum of 150 kilometres a week. Okay, okay. And just okay, to, just to get just to get the context of this, you're fostering how many children? Four. Four different. Uh, same. And four different children, and four of them have complex needs. Are they are they all from the same family? No, there's um, there's two biological siblings and two others from separate families. Four. And like, but going back, going back to the the, the kilometers, like on sports alone, it's if we do it over, if the sport is going for forty weeks, that's six thousand kilometers. I, a school run is another two thousand kilometers. Mm. I have, I have another child. He's he's doing his third competition up in the sports Ireland campus. All right, yeah. And that's going to, like over those three competitions. That's another four fifteen hundred kilometers. Right. Okay. My car costs. 5,000 a year. Why do you do it, you know, Jimmy? Why did you what? give up your job to do it then? Um, I was, when the, we had two kids came at the first and I was still working and then um, I came to a crossroads to, um, to do more or to stay working and I chose to do more. Why? 
because we have just so much love to give. Okay, thank so you. Much. I was looking we, for an got, answer like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got so much. We've got so much to give. You know, and you know, so it's it's just crazy. Like, I, it's just it's very upsetting when people question us. Like, but they're entitled. No, people are entitled. People are entitled to have an opinion and wonder what motivates. Yeah, but we're entitled to give them an explanation. Like iPhones, iPads, Nintendo Switches, Xboxes, PlayStation. They're not cheap. You know, but they're yeah, but they're they're lo- they're luxury items now. Yeah, yeah. Are they not entitled to luxury items? Um, oh, only if the money is there to afford them, I would think, if you're to be... Yes, the money, the money is there, as you can see. There's, a, there's an allowance there, so the money is there. But my big thing is, the allowance needs to be renamed. It's not a fossil But No, because I know people listening, I mean, you talk about that, but and I know there are four young children that you love and you're looking after, but it, it comes in at 73 grand a year. It's a substantial amount of money. And there's a substantial amount that goes out too. I know. My car costs five grand just to, just for the car alone. No, I, I, I'm, not withstand, I'm, not, I'm not questioning your spending of it, but I'm just being fair to people listening who will also do the maths in their, in their head. You know, 73 grand is a lot more than the 30 that you were earning going to work, is all I'm saying. Yeah, but, but, yeah, but if I didn't have the four kids, I'd have 30 grand in my, and annually in my pocket. There's, not, there's nothing going out on these luxury items, as you say. A holiday would be would be uh, one third of the one third of the of the price. Yeah, yeah. Going out for dinner would be third one third of the price. Do you know? Yeah. It's it's just like like you know like, like I just seen the minister and Taoiseach, they need to educate themselves. They need to come come down to my house. I'd invite anyone down to my house and go through everything one what, what what goes out in my house because it's absolutely crazy. Like little things, the little things like we have a dog. I have a dog for the kids. The kids love the dog. The dog vets four times a year. That's not, that's not cheap. Dog food once every six weeks, a big bag. That's not cheap. Mm. We all have dogs. We all have, no, but they're, they're, their incidences are running costs that the rest of us yeah, would have without fostering costs, children. But, but, yeah, they're running costs, but if I wasn't fostering, I wouldn't have those running costs. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, the allowance needs to be renamed. Like, it's like a foster carer's allowance. It's not it's an allowance. It's an allowance for children in foster care. Like, so what should the figure be if it's not three, it's 352 for children over the age of 12 and it's 325 oh, yeah. for children under the age of 12 what should it be now, this, is, this, is, this is what I'm getting at I don't know what it should be but what, what should happen is like there's a, a, job, a job seekers allowance benefit is 208 a week okay mm. that works out at 10,816 I'm at home just as well as somebody else is at home doing nothing at the moment, we say for argument's sake, if I do nothing and he's doing nothing, he's taking 10,816 in his pocket, but I can't get, I can't get a, a euro. Well, you, you, you do get your 73,216 no, a year. Not, but that is, not for, that is not for foster carers. That's an allowance for children in foster care. Ah, yeah, but you're, that's only semantics, though. You're, that's only messing with the words. I mean, you're paid it. You're paid it. You, you spend it on their upkeep and their and looking after them and showing them love. Of course and I do. Of a, course a I good do. upbringing. So it, it is a it is it is a payment. Play therapy is not cheap. Occupational therapy is not cheap. Do you know it's they all they all come in. You know. Do you think do you think we do you think Tusta uh, gives us anything extra for that? I, I can't I, I I can't imagine that they do. But would you would you have nothing would you have nothing saved as a consequence of all of the expenses then? 
Of all the experiences, what, what we have is spent on the children uh, okay. over the year. Yeah, yeah. No, no. I you mean, know, these like, might these might sound like tough like, questions for you, but they, oh, you know, I, it's important you to know, ask I, them. I agree. You need to ask those questions. Like, like when the kids were young, like like the eldest now, he's over eighteen. He's he's autistic. He's um, he's in aftercare. He's um, he's he's involved in the home sharing project with Cope. Okay. Like we've. Like he's, he's, his they have complex needs, I, I know, and they come from de- very traumatized upbringings. I understand all of that. Yeah, but my, just yeah. can I just stay with it? Because you, your text actually had to do with about not doing it for the money. Would there be children's allowance as well? Yes. Okay. All right. So on, on the four, is it? On the three. One on, is over 18. Okay. And what would that be, if you don't mind me asking? It's 420 a month. Yeah. Okay. No, like, but like coming to the likes of going on holidays, they get a holiday every year without fail. Like, you know, like when they were younger, uh, we went to Wales because it was easier in a, comp- in a kind of complex. But since then, we've been, to, we've been to Europe seven times. We've been to Orlando once, which was, which did cost an arm and a leg. You've been to and Europe like, seven times. You've been to Orlando once. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You're, you're now doing things that other families in this day and age could never afford to do. Okay, but they could never afford. But if there's if there's a payment there for the kids, am I not entitled to spend on them? It's up to you, absolutely. All, all I know is that exactly. the amount. All I know is that the income now coming into the home is just under eighty nine thousand euro. But why should that matter? Because you're saying that you, I, you, I I believe you when you say you're not in it for the money, but you're suggesting that it's not enough. It's not enough. It's not enough. Like at the end of the day, the social worker comes out to the house to see the kids. She gets paid for that, don't she? Yeah, what's the, yeah and like, what's that, what, why are you making what, that point? What, 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 what do we get as foster carers? The allowances for the children, you're, 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 you're not taking the point correct there. Like, you're, the allowance is specifically for the kids. No, I mean, just people listening to this will see four, family, four children in the home with you and an income yeah. coming into the home of 89,000 a year seven trips yeah. to Europe and a trip to Orlando and yeah. Florida and they're wondering, yeah. you know, wh- why anybody would be in any way critical of that kind of money coming in, that it's a blessing and you should be giving thanks. I should be giving thanks? Do, do, yeah. do you think people, some people will be thinking that, yeah? Well, of course, there is people thinking that. There is people that will see, as you, you're only seeing, you're only seeing the see, you're only seeing figures at the moment. You're not, you're not seeing the likes of you go down to a sports shop, football, rugby, Gaelic balls, up anything from 25 to 50 quid, gloves another 20, boots a minimum 50, up to a couple of hundred quid, Astro runners, same idea, shin guards, mm. 30 euros, Cork jersey, 50 quid, hoodie, another 50 quid. I know all of that, I know, I know all of that but just, be, yeah. just because you're, you, you, you know, this conversation started about the allowance, all other families with children who go out to work in the morning have to pay those as well, but they wouldn't be making 89 grand gross. So they, they yeah, have the same challenges as you. They have the same challenges as you, Matt. No, you wake okay. up at 2, 3, 4, 5 in the morning when your youngest has a child tremors who's absolutely in tears, screaming, shaking. So you think all other people have this? I, no, no, I, was, I wasn't saying that. I mean, I already said to you that you are dealing with children who are from very traumatised backgrounds with a lot of complex needs. Do you remember me saying that? I'm talking about financial needs, I'm talking about. Just you, financial needs for everyone at the end of the day. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You know, like at the end I'm not taken from your wonderful year, work and, your, and we, the time we, and effort we, you put in. We, 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 we spend our money on the kids. Whatever they need, they have. They suffer enough. They have suffered enormously. 
So, like, if they want to get the fancy Nike Air Runners, they can have the fancy okay. Nike Air Runners. Okay. Do you know, yeah. I have I have a young fellow going up to bed at night, and it's three hours before he sleeps because he's so traumatized. He's it's 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 horrendous. Mm. Mm. And you know, like you know, it could be at any stage in the middle of the night. He you will hear, I will get, and it's a high pitched scream, frightens the life out of me. But, but like he's in such a trance, he doesn't know. You know, and like I tell him the following: Oh, you had a nightmare last night, and he goes, "Oh, did I?" He has no knowledge of it. Oh no, that's heartbreaking. You know, no, it's not for a moment anybody criticizing the care and compassion and the rearing. That's not. I'm just. Your, your issue was with the allowance and the amount, and I was just trying to it shed is, some yeah, light on it. My, my, That's my, all. my issue. My issue is, they, they should be like, I can't. Like for me personally, myself, like that. For me, that allowance is for the kids. But what do foster carers get? They don't get as much as a pat in the back. Or, or, or the minister might throw something down in his little statement. That, oh, well done to all the foster carers. That's as much as we get. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So as foster carers, we. We we don't we we don't do it for the money. We do it for the kids. Let me talk to Maureen if you don't mind. But thank you for taking the call, Jimmy. No I'm learning an awful lot over the last couple of days, and there's more to be learned. Clearly, Maureen. Good morning. Good morning, Neil. Okay. Thank you for shining a light on this. Yeah, absolutely, um, absolutely. I'm learning all my, of the time. My side of it is more coming off of the back of what Jimmy just said at the very end, and that's what do foster carers get? And it's not the money I'm on about, it's the issue of fostering. As you know, there's a fostering crisis in Ireland at yes, the moment. Yes, I hear the adverts Your looking for foster parents. Yeah, yeah, it's advertising every five minutes. Yeah. Now, recruitment traditionally would have been word of mouth. That's how it all went. But unfortunately, I don't know a single foster care at the moment who could recommend it to anybody in their right mind. Do you think, think that if somebody were to hear of a, of, a, of, a, of a family of four little children who needed a home where the, they may be from the same family or in, in Jimmy's case, two different sets of kids from two different families and they heard that the allowances would total 90,000. Would you think that might encourage them or, or would you be warning them, don't do it for that? Don't do it for that. It's not feasible. It's not maintainable. I think the issue with fostering isn't even down to the allowance, it's down to the role of the foster carer needing redefining in this changing world that we live in now. What does that mean? I mean, the concern concern of this fostering and the crisis is everybody's. I mean, it's the whole nation. We need to all be concerned about how our most vulnerable citizens are looked after. And I suppose within, from when fostering was established till now, our world has changed so much. There's increasing standards, there's increasing regulations in every sector across the world. Everyone's suing and there's so much protocols and foster carers, we have to comply to all of these new regulations and standards and everything, but we have no rights. We're not employees, we're just volunteers. We have zero rights, zero voice. So we're kind of left just basically on our own with fear of everything that can happen. We have fear that our children can be removed from our houses. We have fear of allegations and the potential impacts on our family. Allegations, like, what do you mean by that? Um, that's very, like, I consider myself one of the lucky ones and I say as of yet, I've not had an allegation. But give me but some examples without identifying very, anybody. A very common thing that could happen could be 
Some child could, it could be something as simple as they're very angry and they're trying to lash out at everyone and they tell their social worker that their foster parent was screaming at them or something. And that may or may not have happened, but it has to be investigated. And unfortunately, at the moment, that could take months. Oh, say a process begins then. Is it a process of investigation? Because I got an email from somebody describing that, actually, which I'll read later on this morning. But he or she goes on to say that that can lead to um, false allegations, unsubstantiated, means that foster carers um, may have to quit due to unresolved feelings of grief. Uh, They also could lose their jobs um, if, for instance, they were working while one other parent was the foster parent. Uh, And, of course, the rumour insinuendo, innuendo, I should say, the insinuation, the shame and the stigmatisation and isolation. And it's also known, they say, and I'm just paraphrasing, within the foster care um, network by other foster parents, that an allegation has been made against a foster parent and that's shameful. Is that what you're talking about? Things like that, false allegations? Yes, yep. These are all the things that foster carers have to live with at the moment. We have no rights. We have no, like, let me ask you this, Neil, right? If you were being bullied in work, we'll say, it was ongoing for years, you were being disrespected, you were being undermined continuously. What would you do? Like, I bet you you'd quit, get another job somewhere they respected you, go to a different radio station. We can't. We're trapped. Well, you know, for for people who find themselves in that situation listening to us now, that's not the best advice. Uh, The best advice, of course, is to uh, talk higher up in the chain of command and if there's a HR department, report it immediately. But I think it's because it's systemic with foster carers and their role not being defined like it's very subtle bullying there's a lack of transparency there's a huge refusal to put anything into writing for us we're drip fed information we're they we're gaslit by means of twisting things if you go asking for supports or you're very worried about your child if they if it's too difficult for them to help you out in the situation, it can be turned on the foster carer saying that, oh, you're not coping very well. That's a good point. Maybe yeah. we should yeah. remove the child. That's exactly and what that's another email has said. Despite it, uh, there is a considerable amount, this is another quote, there's a considerable amount of foster carers who've had allegations made against them. Despite it being a very serious issue, there's a veil of silence around the topic and foster carers are afraid of raising the issue due to fear of being identified or having the children removed from their care. So that's an interesting point. The only thing I could say about that is uh, allegations must be investigated because perhaps some of them are true. And that's and that's completely fair and we're with that but it's even just the system of allegations it's the, the length of time it's the leaving the foster carers in the dark as I said I haven't a personal experience of this Neil but I know a lot of friends who have and they're just left knowing nothing. We never get called back. We're not given any information. It is really like 50 years ago. We're given these children. We spend all day every day with them. We meet all their behaviours and needs, but we are not told things about them. We're not brought to the table for the meetings on decisions around them. We are not, we have no rights. Like I had to, I went to court to pay for enhanced rights for a child in my care. Yeah, I can't, go into, I can't go into that. Yeah. No, I can't go into that. I just no, don't I'm even just mention. No, no, I'm are. not even going to go oh. into it in any way, shape, or form because okay. that's a Child Care Act <laughs> issue and it's a Tushla issue. What I, can, what I can say, though, is that you say that Tushla don't always help when it comes to autism diagnosis. No, um, my experience and a lot of people as well that I know of this is 
it's nearly blocking the assessments for the children. It's all put down to trauma, 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 and obviously so they can both p- run concurrently. Well, I have struggled and fought, and I have had a team of social workers who have never laid eyes on a no, child again, again, no, again, no, no, again, I will stop anything that over-personalises the situation. Yeah. But can I, so I need to generalise in this regard or else okay. we won't be able to continue the conversation. But would, would, it, would it be a case that foster parents who know that a diagnosis is needed would have to pay for it themselves? Worse than that. We have to, even on offering to pay it for ourselves, we still have to have it signed off. We can't sign off psychology for our children. Okay. So you actually have to convince them that the child needs the assessment yeah. and that yeah. they have to allow that and that can take years You know years that there is there's not just a shortage of foster carers, but there's a terrible shortage of social workers and those who are needed to be recruited into Tusla because the burnout, I mean, there must be burnout for a reason with staff. I mean, they must be burned out and exhausted from the workload. Oh, it's horrendous. And like us foster carers can see that. I mean, most of us have made friends with social workers over the years and we can see how difficult it is for them. And I think that's why it's the system reform. It's the system's rejigging the role of the foster care the social worker because as it stands the social workers even the ones that you do see your children they can't make the decisions on the children it goes up and up and up the line so nobody on the ground who knows the kids personally has in fact any power at all to help with their well-being Mm. which is the most difficult thing to live with and just finally let's say there is an allegation made against a foster parent do you then have to go and pay your own solicitor and take legal advice and things like that yourself? No, I'm not saying you now, but a foster yeah, parent. Yeah, no, I know that's dependent. They may have insurance for just that. If the Irish Foster Care Association does have an insurance to cover that, it only comes in at certain points. A lot of foster carers do have to get their own solicitors involved. So yes, that is a whole other aspect yeah. of it too. Okay, okay. Listen, Maureen, thanks for taking the call. I hope it covered as much ground as you had intended. Are you happy enough for the conversation? I hope so. Yes, and I suppose I always just want to reiterate the kids are bloody fantastic. I do hope that other people will take up fostering, but I seriously think that Tuslin needs to, to find the role of a foster carer to get those people on board in any good respect. Okay, thanks for taking the call. Back after the break, text 0868104106. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818104106 Red FM. Glad you're talking on this topic Neil. Tussler are looking for foster carers for sure, but they're getting rid of carers because the carers have plenty of evidence of uh, social workers' ineptitude in their own jobs. I don't know, is that altogether very fair? Tussler get rid of carers who advocate too strongly for their children, you see. They only want compliant and silent carers. Myself and my partner have been deregistered because we have too much evidence on Tusla failures. Don't give out my details. Very disappointed by people questioning foster carers about being in it for the money. Now, in fairness, Jim, I'm reading out your text, but there's few and far between, you know, criticizing. I mean, there was a couple of texts where I gave examples of foster carers near them. But but by and large, everybody's on site. Anyway, he says, I left a salary job to be full time. Um, and it has nothing to do with the money. Uh, on other topics, um, not necessarily related to that for now, but certainly re- related to uh, West Cork and the eviction, uh, the travellers trespassed as usual 
and refused to leave. There are travellers down there who block up the lorry entrance to Supervalue, deliberately parking opposite the entrance to the car park just to make it awkward. I've personal experience of this. Nobody from Bantry is going to come on and tell you the real story for fear of reprisals. Um, illegal occupation of land, Neil. Court order in place. Council dead right. Kick them off the land. They go in. And they take over land. They don't pay for it. They don't own it. Good luck, I say. Uh, to Cork County Council. In fairness, I get that uh, Christina is heavily pregnant. They're living there illegally, though. I can't just go into accommodation and claim it or stay there. There are rules and regulations that every person has to follow. The minorities need to follow rules if they want it to be treated equally. Yes, I understand. I really and truly do. I get all of that. But at that hour of the morning with a pregnant woman inside in the caravan and two small children getting up, trying to go to school, to be woken like that, I just don't think it's acceptable. Uh, there were about 15 guards there and they handled themselves very well. I had a relative attacked recently and there wasn't a guard to be had. One or two more uh, on this. Uh, what the travellers don't tell you is that the ground they're on has been used for donkeys, scrap cars and burning rubbish. The fire brigade is constantly called. Now, I don't know whether you'd say that about Christina and Peter and their children now, because there is a halting side adjacent to it, so come on. Uh, the fire brigade has been called. They block super value deliveries. It is just a dump. It's about time they did something about it, the council. If anyone else behaved the way they do, you'd be fined or locked up. Yes, there were a lot of guards, but if you knew uh, the history um, in the area... That's the reason why. I don't give out my details. Uh, one final one. Very disappointed with your comment on the last phone call in connection with the Bantry story. You have no idea what the guardie you have to put up with from those people. Threatening the guards, their wives and their families. The guards were doing their jobs. They're criticised for doing their jobs. You should pay a visit to that area of Bantry and see for yourself. And talk to the guardie as well. The gentleman who was on with you is absolutely right. Again, I, I, I think you're referencing a court case from the last few days, which I will dig out, actually, if we can get our hands on. Do you remember that court case where there was people up before the courts and they said awful things uh, to the guards and there was a right argy-bargy and assaults involved and they even were threatening to rape members of the Garda Shikona's wives? That has nothing to do with this story, though. But I acknowledge it did happen. It was a case and it was in court. All right, text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. Listen, you know the Skew Bridge in Tivoli? Deadly area. Never managed to be straightened. Be aware of it because there's been a crash on the Skew Bridge in Tivoli. Traffic is down to one lane. Guards and fire brigade at the scene. Slow down, proceed with caution. Amy, good morning. Good morning, Amy. And thank you for holding, Morinty. Are you in fostering? I am. I'm fostering about practically about 15 years at this stage. 15. Would it, and would you have um, different children in or is it the, the same child I, or children? No, different children. Um, at the moment, we have two teenagers. Um, I don't work. My husband works, but I don't work outside of the home. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm here with them all the time. Mm. But, yeah, we will probably, we will have these for life. Until 18. Yeah. Well, at 18, really, there isn't really anywhere for them to go at 18. So no, but do, do, I do, always have my door open. But do allowances change at 18, I'm wondering? At 18, um, depending, because sometimes when they're in full-time education, which um, definitely these will be at 18, it can stop until they're in the aftercare system. So in, in aftercare, then it will start again, we'd say, when they go to college or, or internships or whatever they might decide to do. 
um, there'll be payment then, but it's at the discretion. Okay, of it's the, discretionary. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, and yeah. it's and again, um, defending what you do. God knows if you weren't doing it, what would happen to these misfortunate children? But it's not about the money. In, in spite of me, you know, totaling up eighty nine grand in the case of one family with four children, it's not about that, is it? No, definitely not. I mean, if you were to do it for the money, you'd never do it. Yeah. Um, now, in saying that, I do find that the allowance is quite enough for us. Um, I do feel you cut your cloth, I suppose, in accordance to your measure. Um, we are able to give them everything they need on it. Um, both of them would have therapies twice a week, which are approximately 90 euros each. So say out that every week, there's 180 going on therapies um, for each child. I'm very fortunate I don't have to travel. Um, only, you know, we're talking probably a half an hour drive, which isn't, which isn't too much. But we are able to manage comfortably. No, I, I, I know. I just uh, like it's just because somebody did come back to me, and it's a very valid point to make. Even in spite of a figure, say for instance, of eighty nine thousand a year, that's four yeah. children's lives that are being helped. Could you imagine what it would cost per child if the state were caring for them? It probably oh, yes, would be yes. millions per year for the four. Oh, definitely. And the care and would be nowhere care. near as good as a family scenario, family environment. Mm. No, definitely not. And I kind of always feel, and we have our own children as well. well we, we consider these our children as well, but our own biological children. Um, if nothing else, it has taught them, you know, they, they now realise how fortunate, I suppose, in life they were. So it must teach children. It, it give, gave our own children a sense of a world out there that they never knew existed. Yeah, um, because of their upbringing and their earlier life. Yes. And there'll be all sorts of different traumas that they'd have witnessed or been involved in or experienced, wouldn't there? Oh, totally. I mean, just for example, this weekend alone, I had to replace a new bed and a new wardrobe. Um, Obviously, the children are very, very traumatised and very troubled. Um, And these are just things that for us, they're they're just, this could happen at least every month. I have to buy a new bed. I know. Um, But these are things that people don't understand. There's the other side of it, but there's also the side that they give you. They give you, when you see their, their total vulnerability and their dependence on you because sometimes which we are in our situation we are all they actually have in this world um so you know for that to get to get back from them is you know you couldn't put a price in it to be honest there there's you know it's just that that loving feeling that they give you that they are so grateful that somebody just because it only takes one voice it just mm. takes one person to make that difference in someone's life yeah. and it could be I mean they could have been on the streets last night and tonight they're in your home I know, and I know. you're making them feel that they're, they're you know they're there's also emergency safe. fostering isn't there I've heard that in the past where somebody there could be called it could be yeah. called and given no notice at all that, that somewhere is needed now Yes, and that that can happen. Um, and yeah, God, there there is a big need for fostering. And as much as I'd say it is very hard, I would, on the other hand, say it is very rewarding. Mm. Um, and you know, no matter what you go through, and what we've gone through here has been horrific and very hard. But you definitely get more back from them, and to see them grow and thrive and from so children who, who couldn't do anything, it's, it is very rewarding. I mean, it has changed our lives for the better. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm so glad I did do it. Yes, it is very hard, but I I am so glad that I made the step um, and did it. And why then do you say that there is a lack of respect within the system? Because from where I see it, the the qualifications and the education and the training 
that would go in now in 2022 into becoming and qualifying as somebody who can work in social care and work within Tusla must be very, very high as and, and a lot higher than, say, 20, 30, 40 years ago. Um, and and so I think that the the social workers and those within Tusla go into the job of the best will in, will in the world, but they get swamped and they get burnt out and they leave. Totally, totally. I, I mean, I've met people, um, social workers obviously come to our home. I have met the nicest people in the world. They go into this job wanting to make a difference. I mean, they don't go into, into this job not wanting to help. They want to go into it like the rest of us, mm. hoping we can change lives do do the be, you know do the best things for these children i don't think it's the, it's the social workers i think it's further up i think the social workers mightn't have the power to do what they want to be able to do and to be able to help because if if obviously we'll just say for example a social worker sees yes this child needs to be assessed that has to go up to the, the next rank say that the team leaders are so up, up, up. you're gonna say i'm getting the impression that they become disillusioned in their job because they want to do yes. more they are passionate but they're in oh, a system totally, which yes. is the irish um yes. civil service yes. system which moves quite slowly it's very yes. authoritarian in in the the chain yes. of command and they just yes. get frustrated they do because i'm telling you the people i've met that because we've had a lot of people obviously come to, come to our doors and they're going, oh my God, I really, they really want to help. They, and that's the thing. You don't go into this job for any other reason. I would say some of maybe the older ones um, might have came in at different times, but definitely the younger people that are going in there want to make a difference. Sometimes people go in there who were in the care system themselves and they know what it's like at the other side and they go in and they go in with all these intentions of changing things that they see needs to be changed or helping out. Um, and it's it stopped. It doesn't get any further, um, which is frustrating for them. And then the workload. I mean, each case is just yes, so much for everyone, right. and they've so much work and so much paperwork down. and so much so protocol much and so many regulations. Yeah. I understand all of that. How yeah, would it be yeah. made better then? I think um, definitely giving, I suppose, foster carers ourselves more power. You see, at the moment, we have no power at all, even if we see that the children need to get things done. Like, for example, if tomorrow my own child needed to be brought for occupational therapy or needed screening for autism or any of these things, these can take years when we're waiting. Um, and I mean years, it could, it could actually take 10 years. Which too late, has, too late, too late. Too late. Um, and what they don't see is early intervention is so, so important that if they got help at a younger age and the time went in and the resources, this child as it gets older mightn't end up in the system again because sometimes you find it's a circle and the same people are coming back in because they're not getting the help firstly or it's too late. I have to say um, that within, within all sections of society, even yeah. outside of fostering of children, people with their own children are having the very same experience, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. You know? It's, it's it's very sad because really if, if help was given earlier um, it would make such a difference for their lives and it would give us this power to do it like I, I, I do not, I'd say a lot of us, none of us or most of us wouldn't have problems paying for any of, of this ourselves, the screening or whatever would need to be done mm. um, but it's, we're stopped at that level too, we, everything has to go okay. through and it's, it's just years and years yeah. instead of something being done um, so we feel powerless would be the word, I suppose, that we can't do what we would like to be able to do to help them as we would our own children. Okay. It's just those rights are taken. 
Thanks, Amy. Um, listen, another thing, yeah, finally, yeah. Oh, yeah sorry, yeah. just w- one more thing um, for ourselves. I do think um, that foster carers should be entitled to, at the end of it, as we don't we don't get a wage out of it because um, it's voluntary. Um, I would think we should be thought of in some form of pension scheme that at the end of all of this, um, when we're 65 or whatever age, um, that we have something because as it is, we're working, we're, we're obviously working, but it's not considered a job, um, that we have, we have no wage ourselves personally, that at the age of 65, we have no stamps and stuff. So it's to have a pension plan and some form of something for ourselves, I mm. think would be okay. the biggest thing for us to mm. be recognised that we actually do do something because at the moment... I don't think that people... Just finally before I go, okay, that. I've covered as much as I can at this point, but just just finally, yeah. do um, do you have a number as to the amount of um, couples or families that actually foster in Ireland? Is there a figure? I don't have a figure, but I think they're at an all-time low at the moment. Low. Um, so when, when was the peak? We, we do you, can't do you know? get them. I'd say, um, God, I would say maybe about 15 years ago okay. it was at peak. I think private agencies now would have more... I'm going through that way because I can't get them. But what I do want to say it is it is a very rewarding okay. job. It does change your life. Okay. And do take the step. Thanks, Amy. Thank you so Thanks. much. I'll talk. Thank yeah. you. I'll talk tomorrow after eleven. Uh, just one quick update. I was keeping you up to speed on the story out of uh, Killarney. You know the Ukrainian refugees who were told they were being moved from their accommodation in Killarney up to Westport in County Mayo. That decision to move them has now been reversed. They're going to remain in Kerry in Killarney. There was a lot of local and political opposition to the move. We're talking about 135 women and children. They'll now move to alternative accommodation in the town itself. You may be asking, why were they moving in the first place? Well, it was to facilitate 200 male asylum seekers from Libya, North Africa and Georgia uh, moved into accommodation um, in City West uh, and then needed to be moved from City West down to Killarney. I believe that still will happen that the 200 male asylum seekers will be accommodated in the accommodation that the Ukrainian women and children were in, and they'll now be moved to alternative accommodation uh, somewhere else in Kalani Town. I'm, I'm quite sure that there'll be more on that story throughout the course of the morning. I'm Lana O'Connor. Red FM News is first for local, national and international news, and you can stay up to date by tuning into our hourly news bulletins or by clicking on redfm.ie. 104 to 106 Red FM This is the Neil Frienderville Show And I know that um, you know you don't want the celebrations about uh, Ireland getting into the World Cup with the victory last night to be in any way tarnished by the singing of songs and Rory was talking about it there in the dressing room afterwards with the girls but they need to put things in perspective because one of the players Anya O'Gorman said uh, while she reiterated the apology and said we would like to apologise to anybody who was offended. She said, we sang 100 songs last night and that was the one that went out. Uh, we'd just like to apologise to anyone who was offended. So that's just a, a little addendum or a, a little uh, footnote to that story. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. Yes, I, I acknowledge what the Garda Shikon have to put up with and we were talking about that earlier on. I referenced one incident there where a Garda was left with serious injuries and a doorman was injured. There was an assault outside an East Cork pub on Saturday evening and uh, the, the press reports say... Uh, they're calling for witnesses now as officers continued, an officer continues to get medical treatment. So you had three men in their 20s charged in court relating to an incident that occurred at 10 o'clock Saturday evening in a bar outside a bar in Cloyne. The guards were called to the disturbance involving a number of men and a security guard. Now the guard, a sergeant, was assaulted and injured in the course of making the arrest. 
So three characters were arrested at the scene taken to Middleton Garda Station. Um, during the course of the arrest, a Garda sergeant was assaulted and received serious facial injuries. He's undergoing medical treatment. A security officer, private security officer, bouncer, also allegedly uh, assaulted in the incident. So put things in perspective. Um, some are saying you were talking about what was going on down Bantry Way and what the guard you have to put up with. And people were making some comments regarding the Delaney family, unrelated to the couple in the caravan. There have been incidents with uh, members of the travelling community by the name of Delaney, but that was a James, a John and a Michael Delaney. And they were before the courts in July, uh, where they made what were described as wicked threats against members of the Gardaí. And now, uh, in the case of James Delaney, 83 previous convictions, John Delaney, 17, and Michael Delaney, 15. Um, and then there was evidence given against their father, Jim Delaney Sr., with 38 previous convictions. But amongst the horrific things that the Garda Shikona have to put up with, it's not always just physical assault, but it's also verbal assault. I can't use the full words that were said or accused to have been said or alleged to have been said. But the Gardaí said that each of the accused were hostile and aggressive. Um, there was a lot of different standoffs involved in this, but I'm just honing in on some of the things that were said to members of the Ungardi Shikona. Um, they were told to F off, which is fairly light. They were called paedophiles, rapists and raping bastards. Um, then when you drill into it a little bit more, allegations of vulgar abuse was also um, in the shape of, I'm going to F-U-C-K your wife. Um, I'm going to destroy her insides, bring her to the halting site to me. I am going to break her in two with my... I'm going to say anything about that. I'm going to find out where you all live and do you. So it can be physical and it can be verbal. So um, I'm in an effort to be balanced with some of the text saying, you know, you really don't know the half of what Gardaí you have to put up with. Appreciate that. Lines open, text 0868 I want to chat with Maura and then... Uh, I'm in conversation then after the ad break with, with Michael, uh, who was in foster care himself. I'll tell you more about that in a few minutes' time. Maura, good morning. Good morning, Neil. And I'm kind of jumping in and out over yesterday and today, and I hope nobody minds that. But um, just, are you a foster care parent yourself? I am. I have been for 18 years. Okay. Is it exceptional that you would find foster carers with maybe four foster children? Yes, it is. Most foster carers are would have one, maybe two children that they care for. Mm-hmm. In fact, when you go to panel, the maximum you can be approved for is three children, and that has to be either three siblings or two siblings and one other child. And to have that extended, you have to go back to the board and be reapproved. Okay. And okay. So the text that you were making was that you have a reasonably large house with four empty bedrooms and you could make much better money than fostering with four empty bedrooms if you were renting them at a grand, uh, uh, you know, maybe eight fifty or nine seven fifty or eight fifty a week, is it? Yeah, well, where, where I am, I'm constantly getting messages from student agencies saying that they'll, like, I've got three double bedrooms and a single bedroom. And oh, for God's about, sake, yeah. Yeah, the rate is about 150 for two people sharing um, a double bedroom and around 200 for a single bedroom. Now, if I was in fostering to make money and I have one placement and I've had these empty rooms for about four years, yeah. I would have <laughs> just stopped fostering and taken in students. Of course. The majority of us We've you could be making you'd be making a grand a week at it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and no responsibilities. I, I, no responsibilities. No. 
trips out, no, you know, petrol, no meetings, no social workers coming in and out of your house and childcare workers coming in your house and meetings in school and all that goes along with it. All of which I do quite badly and quite happily because I love what I do. I have a passion for what I do. I was with a private agency and because my child is so settled, I just felt that was money that was being wasted Mm. and I moved to Tusla. And I have to say, the services are not there with Tusla. Mm. Um, and before I would have been going around, in actual fact, with the private agency, I would have gone out and would have tried to help them to re- recruit new carers because it, it, the support was amazing. You had so why is there a short? Why are they advertising? Do you think they just can't get foster parents? And we're short of social workers and occupational therapy. Yeah, any service that you, you, you try to get for the child, once upon a time a child in care would have been prioritised. But the lack of psychologists and occupational therapists and specialists is just so bad that, like, it, it's just, you get it when you can. And, and why has it dropped way back, the amount of people fostering, from a high of maybe 15 or 20 years ago? Because the services aren't there, because the support isn't there, because... Social workers are burnt out. Social workers leaving, so there's the so- social workers that are there have higher caseloads. But mainly because there is an awful lot of this kind of veiled threats hung over people when they're trying to fight for a child. Of well, you know, you're not coping, and yeah, maybe, yeah, you know, we should yeah. lose the child. Yeah. And, and it, it is horrific. And people have up to now been sitting in silence and taking it. And I, I just, I'm. I have to applaud all, all the ladies and men who've come on to actually speak out and, and say what is really going a on. A lot of pushback, though, with regards to a caller from earlier on, uh, Jimmy. Not a lot of people have a whole lot of compassion for somebody who's bringing in 90 grand a year, you know? Um, that's the well, problem. I yeah, I can understand. But then when I listen to him again, he was sort of saying that he has four children with exceptional needs. So. Yeah. You know, you or I could go to Orlando, you know, with our wife and our, our kids and have a great old holiday. It might be a very different story going to, or it might be a whole job in itself going to Orlando well, with you, four children but, with but exceptional needs. But I'm it's assuming, th- oh, I know that. Oh, I understand. Everybody's entitled to a break and uh, he's not robbing a bank. He, this He's getting what is allo- the allowance dictates he should get. Yeah. But the 89, yeah. um, that's that's net, isn't it? That's not taxed. So for a regular person netting 89 grand, their salary would be 150,000. Well, look, you know, I gave up my job to do what I'm doing and I could certainly be earning a lot more money and making money out of my house. I'm just trying to say that in my opinion, it is a hard job, but it is incredibly rewarding. And I do honestly believe that the person, I'm sure there are loads of people think, oh, they look at that and they think, oh, great, I'll, I'll become a foster carer. Yeah. But those people don't last long. You don't see those kind of people still fostering after 17 or 18 I years. I know, yeah. They suddenly realise the work that's involved. Yeah, yeah. But if you go into it for the right reasons... So it has to be the right reasons, nice. not for anything, kind of, any kind of a soft, soft touch that it's easy money, because that no. will not last. It yeah. won't last. Yeah. It won't last, because as okay. other callers have said, you know... Just the trauma itself, without any extra additional needs, 
You know, the children are very, very damaged in a lot of cases, in most cases. And you really have to have that in your heart to love and care for somebody. I mean, I just believe I was put on the earth to be a carer. Mm. You know, my friend got early onset Alzheimer's. She'd always had a dread of having to be in a nursing home. She came into my home and lived with me. Mm. I wasn't getting paid for that. Mm. So it's either in your heart. yeah, yeah. Yeah, to, to love other people and other people's children that need somewhere safe and secure or you won't last. Okay, thanks for that. Thanks for that. Okay, thanks for taking the call, Maura. Cheers. Uh, I need to clip ahead, lads, because while she used, you know, in fairness, Maura uses words like love and creating a safe place. Unfortunately, I have to tell you that that was not the case in particular in one instance in the 1980s. After the break, Michael, who was in, as he described in his original text to me, foster care hell. Not just himself, but his two sisters and his brother, and they were all very young after the break. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. Michael, good morning. Good morning. We uh, have been talking on the air for the past couple of days with uh, foster parents and foster care uh, issues. Uh, got a lot of calls and a lot of texts, and I noticed a text that came in from you saying that you went through hell in foster care. Are you happy to chat a little bit about that? Yeah, we can, yeah. yeah. Okay, and w- when you say hell... Tell us about the story uh, involving yourself and, and your sisters, I think. We're talking about the, the 1980s, isn't it? Yeah, it was the mid-80s, yeah. We were in foster care, and I wouldn't wish it on no one. Yeah, this was in rural Ireland, wasn't it? Yeah. And you were all kept together as a, as a young family, young children, and fostered yeah. out to one family as, as a group of kids together, wasn't it? Yeah, there was five of us. I have three sisters and one brother. Okay. And and let's just chat about where you went. Uh, I believe it was a farm, was it? Yeah. And what was that life like? I was only about six, six or seven. And your memories? Well, how do you expect a six or seven-year-old to do the work of a fully grown man? So uh, you're, I'm, you're leading to me to believe that you were working on the farm at that age? Yeah. You were pulled out a bit in the morning, before school. Do the cows, do all the jobs. You may or may not get a lunch in your bag going to school. So were you you were labouring on the farm, pulled out of bed, I'm told at around about half past six, working the farm, including daily milking of the cows. Would yeah. you get would you get breakfast? If there was time after milking the cows before you go to school, yeah. But if not, it was off to school and you're saying that you might be lucky to get a lunch, but it, there were times when you didn't in in your school bag. Right. Did this type of transition come as a huge shock to you guys? A massive shock. Absolute massive. Yeah. Yeah. So the age of six or seven, this was your initiation into this foster family. Did they have children? Yeah, they had five kids themselves as well. Late teens. And they had two other kids fostered as well. So how many foster children entirely at the one time? Five of us and two others. Seven, okay. And their own five and children. And five kids themselves, yeah. And the foster children, all seven of them, were they treated differently to the family children? Uh, what was the different dynamic like? Oh, it's massive. You know, when it comes to dinner time, if you may get a dinner, um, you know, they, get treated, they were treated a lot different to what we were. Were they fed differently? They were fed differently, yeah. They always got first. And well, what was ever left over then, you divided amongst yourselves. 
when you're painting a picture of something that would belong in the in the 1800s, you know, or the early 1900s. Uh, I'll tell you, you wouldn't see the like of it in the movie. Okay, okay. Now, we'll just slowly talk through it. So that that meant that you got whatever was left over. Yeah. So I imagine you were hungry a lot of the time. Oh, yeah. And did you ever question it or ask why or protest or anything like that? Well, if you didn't, then you'd be beat black and blue. By who? The parents are their, their oldest kids. So they had children old enough to beat you? Yeah. Not Late to men- teens, yeah. Okay. And was it, were the beatings regular? Oh, yeah, very. very. And, and your sisters as well. I mean, did, did you have any, did you feel, I know you were very, very small, but did you have any kind of sense of responsibility to try and look after well, your you, sisters, you know? You would have, but the girls were treated a bit different to uh, the boys. The girls were kept inside doing the inside work, and we were out doing the, the farm work. So the boys worked the farm, and the girls, the foster girls, worked yeah. in the house. What, like cleaning yeah. and sh- scrubbing and cooking and yeah. all sorts and of and looking after, because I had one sister that, that was only a small baby when we were in the foster care and minding the younger kids. And did you did you try and run away a number of times it was so bad? I did, yeah. And this was in the country. You wouldn't have known where you were or how to get anywhere in the middle of the country, would you? Well, to go before we did foster care, we were from the general same area. So I kind of knew my bearings and, you know, as they say, as the board flies, I walked across mountains to avoid the roads so I wouldn't be seen. But were you always found? Yeah, but it took a full, a full day. To find you. I thought it was very sad that you would usually be found because you would turn up at your birth dad's place of work. Is that right? Yeah, because I knew where that place was because I knew there was a castle next to where my dad was working at the time. Yeah. And if I found that castle, I knew I was in the hospital back that I was in an area I knew. So you would you would meet your dad. Would you? Did you ever tell him what was going on? Um, our own parents wanted to get us out of there even though they had went their separate ways they wanted to get us out of there but the social workers weren't having none of us we spoke we rang social workers we spoke to them what was going on and it just just carry on they would listen to you did they believe you oh no they just sent you back and what would they say they said like to know what are you making all this up for like to know we, we could be taught to stand there with our hands behind, behind our back because, you know, our, our hands could be red raw, like. They were beating us with sticks and acid lead piping and whatever they could lay their, their, their hands on. Lead piping, fists, leather belts, sticks. Yeah. Yeah. So you weren't believed then, in spite of your birth parents trying to have you... And do you mind me asking why you were taken into care in the first place, all five of you? Uh, basically... My parents got married way too young. They they were in their late teens. Mother fell pregnant. They had to get married. The done thing back in the day, I was, I'm led to believe. That's right, it was, yeah. Get married fast, yeah. 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 Did it just get too much for them at a young age? I'd say so, yeah. So every time you would run away, you would be returned. Social workers, you're saying would call yeah. and you would try and tell him and you wouldn't be believed so you had to stay there because the mother the, the foster mother would come with the social workers to pick us up right 
Was there any love ever shown at birthdays or Christmas time or events like that? No, nothing. Um, we used to get visits from our birth parents, you know, every two, three months, there thereabouts. So we'd get toys and stuff off our birth parents or that uh, when we'd met our, our Holy Communion. My grandmother does the whole thing, you buy the, wa- the watches. Yeah. Yeah. Once we get back to foster care, that was all taken and given out to their own kids. Oh my God almighty, that's heartbreaking. They would take the little children's gifts off them and give them to their own children. Oh my God. Yeah. There must have been a lot of crying, was there? Yeah. And it still affected me to... I can well imagine. I can well imagine. So there you are as, a, as, as young tr- children, knowing no better thinking this is the way it's always going to be, or merciful beatings, yeah. work on the farm. Did your schooling suffer because of all of that? Yeah, I left school at a very young young age. I didn't make it to secondary school. What about your brother and sisters? Did they any uh, make it through the education network? Um, the eldest sister, she's a, a teacher. So the rest of them done fairly well for themselves. And at no time did you confide in anybody? Would you have ever meeting any neighbours? Did anybody notice what was going on in the family? You know, outsiders? No, at, at a young age with the, what was going on, if you spoke to someone about what, what was going on, the beating that you would get afterwards and the way you were treated, you could have to stand in the middle of the kitchen on one leg with your arm above your hands for the full day. They would make you do that? Yeah. You'd have to stand there and wash the rest and eat the dinner while you get nothing. You know, that on a scale of cruelty is off the charts. I think you know that yeah. anyway, don't you? Looking back in yeah. it now. What kind of words or languages or communication besides the beating did they engage in? What would they say to you? Why, uh, why haven't you done this? Why haven't you done that? You were told to do this. You were told to do that. That was more or less it. You made to feel useless, worthless. Yeah. Did they say hurtful things about, you know, that nobody loves you and things like that? Oh yeah, sure. This, uh, you wouldn't be here if um, your parents loved you uh, and stuff like that. Like, and they would all do that, including the father and mother. Father, mother, and their eldest kids. Yeah. Not one of them backed you up at any time. No. There was enough of them there for one of them to back you up. Surely. No. They were always treated way different than the foster kids. How long did it go on for? We were there for nine years when we went to school one day and we just didn't at all. So you would have been well into your teens at that stage, around about 15? Yeah. And you decided just not all of you, you and your brother and no. your sisters, not to go back? Just three and the sorry, I, I did make it to secondary school the first year for a piece. A tiny bit, but didn't last, yeah, I know, yeah. I know. Yeah. I know. Yeah. We had to wait for the bus. Their kids were waiting for the same bus. The bus used to pick us up outside the school, only across the road, but there's a guard station there. And sure, if we went near that, the kids were there, like, so we couldn't, we draw it because you were just stuck. But did you feel like going into the Gardaí? Oh, yeah. But in saying that, didn't like to know when you said it, when we'd say it to the social workers, like, no one would believe us, like. So why did the why would you think the Gardaí would believe you? Yeah. 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 So our our only option was was we went to school and there must have been someone upstairs looking down on us because when we made the phone call to the social workers saying that we weren't going back, 
the one that was dealing with the five of us was off on holidays and we had a new lady and she came to the town we were in, picked us up and asked us where do we want to go. Was that all she said? I mean, uh, she didn't kind of check as to why you didn't want to go back or anything? On the phone, that's all she said. But when she picked us up and and, and dropped us out to our grandmothers, we sat down and spoke. She believed you? She believed us, yeah. Oh, my God. Thank God you met her, got her to answer the phone that day. It made a huge difference in your life. Just on the subject, just jumping back to school, did anybody notice in school for all of those years, in total, I think you were saying there were seven foster children in that family. Did anybody notice that you weren't cared for, that you were hungry? I guess your clothing wasn't as good as the family kids, no? Nobody noticed any of that? Well, no one ever says, said nothing like so. I, I presume no one did like so you're out of the home now. Um, did they come looking for you, or what happened next? Oh, they did. They, 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 they wanted us to, to come back, but we refused point blank to come back, that we weren't ever again going back there. And the two younger of the family were left there for a couple of days before that social worker was able to get them out of there. They had to go there with social workers and the guards to get my younger brother and sister out of that. We're talking about the 1980s, um, different Ireland yeah. at the time. I'm sure, I hope it's not the same now, but you're telling the story of two different social workers treating you entirely differently. Um, yeah. Eventually one believed you, made a huge difference in your life. Where did you go then, all of you, having left that house and that home, <laughs> that nightmare? We were kind of split up really between different family members, like. You know, we kind of kept in contact for a bit. We all kind of grew grew up and went our separate ways and all that, like. And the family that you were fostered with, that those horrid, horrid people, have you had any contact with them over the years since? Did you ever meet them um, as an adult? Did you ever go to the guards? Because, you know, that's a prosecutable offence, what happened to you. Well, like, to like, but you know, we were in for long enough and I'm going through what I'm going through now, like, and, you know, it's only... Within the last 12 months, I'm actually speaking about it. Okay. I've bottled it up for years and years and years. Yeah, yeah. Which but, wasn't good for a fella. So what would you be now? Would you be in your in your 30s kind of thing, maybe a little older? Early 40s. Okay. Just to, but you never, you've never met them since, though? Never bumped into them? There was never any contact? You don't know where they are, what they're doing? I have met two of them. Any words? No, I'll just put it this way. I treated them the way they... Treated me. I know what? what the wrong thing to do, like, but. Were they in it for the money? Oh, yeah, sure. When the guards went to, and the social worker went to pick up the, the younger brother and sister, all they were worried about was the tax was coming up on their two cars and a van and something else, and they wouldn't be able to afford to tax them. So. so you were a source of income to them, yourself and your sisters and your brother and the other family yeah. children that were there with you. You were just. Money making. Yeah. And how has it affected your life? Oh, massively, massively. Words can't uh, describe it, like. Do you suffer flashbacks, nightmares, PTSD? I'm, I'm just wondering. Yeah. And it's affected my, it's affected my marriage big time. So you married and you settled down. Have you children? Yeah, I have four, four kids myself. And how is it affecting family life and marriage? Like I've always said that, you know, what, what, I've been put through as a kid that I'd never put my kids through what I've been through. But by me being the way I am, battling things up, not talking to no one, 
I didn't turn to drinking drugs as my happy place in the later years to work as my my addiction. I just work, work, work. Yeah. And hopefully things will pan out. But things have got so bad now, like I'm sitting in my van here now waiting to go home. But I know what I'd be told. Right, pack your bags. We're done. Is it hard to live with you then, yeah? Yeah, yeah. I know you were saying to Seamus there was a period in your life before you married and settled down where you would be in the pub seven days a week by virtue of the fact that you went there to numb the pain but you'd still be capable of going to work every day but that was your routine to numb the pain yeah. and, and try and you know block out the memories of probably the most important period of your life your youngest years um, yeah but in, I mean I don't mean to overly pry as to you know your own your own family life but why would you be asked to go? I mean, are, are, are you a violent man? Oh, no, no, no. Not, I'm not, no way violent at all. Okay, good man, good man, good man. I never, you know, even with the kids when they do misbehave, never wrote a hand to no one. Yeah. It's just... Dep- uh, Depression? Yeah. Negativity? Yeah. No Can't self... Trust no one. Yeah. No self-worth? Not fun to be around. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I know. That'll wear a partner down, yeah. It'll wear a partner down. They'll think that there's better in the in the world. But I'd say I'd say you're a fabulous father because of what you've gone through. I'd say you're a wonderful dad. Well, I hope so too, like, but to know there there'll always be someone out there that'll be judging less. No, but sure you don't care what any of them feel or say. I mean, just do your kids love you? I do, yeah. Yeah. And there's no way you would replicate in their lives what happened to your life. That's the last thing you'd oh, ever God, do. No. Not a chance of it. You God, know? No. Yeah. And did you ever seek any help for it? I mean, you know, for what happened to other children in similar situations who were in the care of the state, they did get help and there were redress boards set up and there was inquiries and everything. It was it, it, I think it was commonplace enough for children to be fostered out to farms, to work on farms very young. Did you ever look into any of that? But like, you know, the way we thought, like, is, yeah, we, myself and the eldest the sister, we spoke about it, like, but as as we said, like, you know, when they didn't leave us back then, bad that one social worker, like, they're going to say, jeez, you're after making the, all this up, like. Why would you no do, one, why would you do that? I mean, no one, no one would, but nobody would just make that up as a child consistently. No. One, one might, but not... Not seven different small children in the family home, in somebody else's family home. Do you think that you were except, an exception to the rule that you were just damn unlucky? I'd say so, because I have a friend of mine that was faster, but he, his life was totally, totally different. Happy, cared for. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever he wanted, he got. I'd say you're a bit like that with your own children now. I hope you are. That you you know not, oh, yeah. I mean, not overly spoil them, but you know Christmas and holidays and birthdays and communions and confirmations. They must be extra special to you now. Yeah, but I think you should probably talk to someone. You know. Well, I am going to a counselor at, at the moment as well to deal with what's going on. Like, but he says himself, like, is he does know him? Is is he the right person to talk to? And the first thing he did say after I spoke to him, what we went through, he said, is. His exact words were, I actually can't believe we're actually sitting on that chair. He said, I've had people come in here with less problems than you, and they've 
No, it's unbelievable what happened to you all. My heart's broken hearing it. You, your sisters, your brother, those other young kids from another family in the hands of those beasts, not just the father and mother, but the whole family to treat you like that. It's like something out of yeah. a Charles Dickens novel from the, 19, from the 1800s. It really is. It's shocking. But yeah. it would be a wonderful thing, um, you know, if you can keep your family together and save your ma- marriage and have a, a long and, and happy life. But the memories are with you, you see. Yep. And it's just like history repeating itself all over again, like, you know, it's going to... No, I, I hope it won't, but you just don't know, like... I know what you're saying. But listen, you weren't talking about it this time last year. You are now. That puts you in a much stronger place, a place of power. You know, you're taking ownership of it and addressing it. And hopefully by, you know, talking about it as you are now openly, it could make a difference, you know? Well, that's what we're hoping, like. But I just hope our team's gone too far to come back from. We just don't know, like. You're still alive, man. You're still alive. You still have children who love you. You still have a lot to live for. That counsel is right. You've got an awful lot of courage and an awful lot of strength. You're still you're still here in spite of all of it. He's he's right. Yeah. You know, you're not in the pub anymore. Seven days a week, numbing the pain. You're talking about it. It's a good start. Yeah, but see, I I I don't drink now anymore. Yeah. I use this book as my addiction now. Yeah, yeah. Good man. You're in a healthier place. There's a lot of positives going on in your life that weren't there, say, five or ten years ago. That's all very good. Yeah. It's easy for me to tell you to drive on and to keep on trucking, but I hope you do. You know, I want you can get up over a bit in the morning, dust yourself off, and try and make the day and hope that tomorrow's better. That's yeah. all we can do. Yeah. Do you, believe, do you believe in heaven and hell? Do you believe in another world after we go? No. No. Why, no. w- why would you with the upbringing you had? <laughs> you know, we've already been to hell, like, so it can't be much different to that, right? I know. I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. Listen, I'd love to give you some phone numbers if you think they might help you, you know, might make a difference. But, you know, all I can do is listen in, in disbelief. Not that I don't believe you, but that anybody could treat children like that. You're brave, very brave to share your story on your behalf. And I suppose you're sharing it on behalf of all of the children in that house. Well, like, you know, I've spoken to the older sister about it. I said, like, you know, should, can we say it to anyone? And, you know, we didn't know where to turn, who to say it to or not. Like, and I just went, <clears throat> I, uh, when I heard uh, Guy on about the foster care, I said, right, I'm going to make contact now and get my glad story out there. I'm glad you What would you like to see happen, though, apart from you getting well psychologically, you know, and, and, and feeling better about yourself and mentally stronger, what would you like to see happen? No, I'm not in it to get to gain, to gain nothing. Uh, I want to, you know, I wish them the, 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 the people well as well, like so. Oh my God. I'm not in it to gain anything. Do you forgive? No. No, no. There was too much, there's too much has, has happened for that, for them worth to be said. So what would you like to see apart from you getting better and happier about yourself? Because until you're happy with yourself, God knows we all struggle with that. You're not alone there. Um, you're not really living your full life. What, what would you like to see? Uh, no, maybe, yeah. 
talk to someone that could go and talk to them and see what 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 would happen. Like you know, there is one part of me saying, yeah, just let line dogs be line dogs. Yeah. Or another part of me saying, right, just talk to whoever and put them through what kind of pain they put through through us. Well, only you can make that decision whether you do it through uh, the courts uh, with the help of a solicitor or indeed with the Garda Shikana yourself. That's the decision that you have to, have to make yourself. i tell you one thing. There's an awful lot of people who had happy childhoods and parents who had children that they loved very much and respected very love, much, very much, listening to this, thinking, you know, how lucky they were um, and the lives that oh, yeah. they had as children, you know. So you've really, you've really shone a light on those children that weren't as lucky as the majority. You know, like, I have four kids myself now, like, and they want for nothing. Like, what, yeah. what, what, whatever they ask for, they get. Yeah. Time for you to work on yourself and to keep working on yourself because you're, you're doing a good job there. You know, they have better phones and technology than what I have myself. It was only the 1980s, of course. Like, that's all it was. It wasn't all that long ago. Yeah. I would hope to think that those days are gone, though, would you? I would hope so, but, you know, you, you'll always get one or two people that will be in it just for money, money solely, and that's it. I know, I know. I don't want it to tarnish the wonderful foster parents or, indeed, the wonderful social workers. Remember that one social worker that made the huge difference yeah. for you by intervening and believing oh, you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Don't, 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 don't get me wrong. There is wonderful foster the, the parents out there will give everything to the foster kids. But there's always one or two that will spoil it for everyone else. I know. Well, Michael, this is your story. You own it. And thank you for sharing it. No bother. And come back to me or stay in touch with me or whatever you like. If, if, there, if there are any updates going forward, happy to listen and happy to, uh, to chat with you. Yeah, perfect. Okay, my friend. Thanks for taking the call, all right? Mind yourself. All right, Neil. Thanks. All the best. All right, bye-bye. Beyond harrowing, isn't it? Amazing text coming in already. Uh, I may well have to come back to it in the morning, but this is my son-in-law, and he's the best dad. He's a work, work, work man. Kids need for nothing. Uh, he needs to work through this rocky patch, and we're here for him. What a wonderful text. As a man that went through similar, but not in foster care, and survived, if he needs a friend, Michael, if he needs a friend and a cuppa, he can contact me, says Patrick, and I have Patrick's details. Anybody disturbed or affected in any way by the themes of that conversation, just a reminder that the Samaritans helpline is always open on 116123 and they can help you through, uh, help you to get what you need. Uh, just want to say how saddened I am listening to that wonderful man, Michael, speak out about his awful experience in foster care. As a foster carer, I always hate hearing these stories as I feel it casts a negative impression on all of us, but yet the public need to hear it. I'm so happy he found the listening ear of a good social worker and hopes, and he did eventually, somebody listened. Uh, and also Siobhan says, uh, I hope the foster family have been investigated and prosecuted. No, they haven't. And I can't help but wonder, is it too late for that now? Would it be deemed as being historic and too long ago to investigate? I wonder. Foster children working on farms. It was common in those days for brothers to rent rent out boys to local farmers uh, for summer work. I, I guess you're saying Christian Brothers, was it? Boys worked days and nights on farms, 12-hour days, no food, sleeping in outhouses, dressing in rags. Years ago, survivors of these institutions talked about seeking restitution from farming organisations, but successive governments have always known about this part of our history. Uh, Shiona says, beyond shocking how twisted and vile to do that to innocent children, they should still be reported and held accountable. 
named and shamed for what they did, says Shiona. Just a selection of text to 0868 104 106. Listen, I hate having to bring this up again, but um, I, I, I'm just kind of, I, I just can't believe what I'm seeing here. The I, I, I know that the girls shouldn't have been singing Ooh, up, up the Ra or singing Republican songs in the dressing room, but it is now dominating all of the news. The Independent, i.e. .ie, is leading with it online. RTE are running it as a top story. It is completely taking away from the celebrations that we should be having and the success of the Irish women's soccer team that are in the World Cup. I think it's very unfortunate. I understand it was in bad taste. I get it. I get it. All right. But I just think that this whole thing has just been blown completely and utterly over the top. Maybe you would disagree. Don't know. Like one texter says, they can sing what they like. Remember, they're Irish. And we Irish have a massive tradition in singing and we shouldn't have to apologise to anybody for it. Text 0868104106. Back after the break. The Neil Prendeville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 0818104106. Pick up on all other business in the morning. Uh, but I don't know how many of you watched the uh, documentary on RTE on Monday night. The Tusker Rock Air Tragedy off Wexford Coast was uh, featured in the RTE One documentary. I thought it was fabulous. I really did. Um, I didn't know what to expect. I thought it'd be more with regards to the investigation as to what happened to the Aer Lingus Vickers Viscount airplane that crashed into the sea off Tusker Rock in March of 1968. But it beautifully told us the family stories behind it. And I thought it was very enlightening to hear the stories of the air hostess Anne Kelly being told by her family members or uh, Des Walls being told about by his daughter Claire and his son Peter or Paul Heffernan who was the co-pilot of the flight and his brother Des speaking lovely of him or Neil McCormack and um, we heard from Jerome McCormack talking about his brother uh, Neil who was the last passenger to board it on the day one of the pilots uh, Captain Barney O'Byrne his son David spoke very eloquently uh, down in uh, Waterford I think Selena Donoghue was talking on the programme um, and one of the conversations with the trawler owner who was part of the search crew it was very enlightening. It was very moving. And I'm quite sure for the families as well, it must have been quite moving all these years later because, you know, ultimately 57 passengers and four crew members were on board the uh, plane when it crashed near Tusker. And sadly, 47 bodies uh, were never recovered. Amongst those who featured in the programme was the son of uh, Desi Walls, Peter Walls. And he joins me by phone. Peter, good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. And I'm sorry for holding you this morning. I know you put set, set aside some time, so I do appreciate that. God knows we'll never 100% know, should we? Won't, but we know an awful lot more about those on board, which is lovely, including your dad. I totally agree with you. And I think your introduction there uh, was just wonderful. You see, I couldn't have said it better. <laughs> uh, it was a great program done by Animo TV. And, and, and the, they said to us at the outset, look, uh, we're, we're, obviously everyone wants to know what happened. And, uh, but this is more about the families. And I must say, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I, I thought it was um, a wonderful social um, review of something that terrible that happened in Ireland a long oh, no, time ago. I know. Well, you would have been very young, would you? You and Claire and lots of the other family members. <coughs> Incidentally, I knew, I'm, I knew your mother quite well, a beautiful woman. And, and I spoke to her on television on the 30th anniversary, just in case you didn't know. You would have been young. Uh, I... I didn't realise that you had that, that you knew her that well. I, I knew you knew Siobhan, my yeah. sister. No, I knew your mother um, very well. Beautiful lady. Ah, uh, go on. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. She, she, um, she, well, 
there were 12 of us, of course, um, 13, but, uh, but one had died as a baby. Well, we always say 13 because, because we used to say 12, and it's nice to include them. But Totally. I was only about 13. Uh, Claire, the eldest, who, who was also on the documentary, she was 20 at the time. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, well, it was a formative time for me, and it did have an effect. I mean, it had a massive effect, which you only realized many years later. I heard Anne Kelly's sisters talking about that, that at the 30-year reunion, you suddenly realize maybe this is having, maybe this has had an effect on me, because when an accident like that happens, it's a bit like getting hit by a big truck. You know, you don't know what's happened for a while. You got the impression um, yeah. from the show, actually, with some of those family members, I don't know whether this would include you, that there's no sense of finality. And, and some for many years believed that their loved one would walk through the door. They didn't have the funeral. They didn't have their remains. They didn't have all of the process that we normally yeah. go through, you know? Yeah, yeah, no, that, that, that's absolutely true. true. Uh, certainly a lot of my siblings uh, had, had this recurring dream that, that daddy was coming back in the door sometime and he'd arrive up. And one of my sisters said that, with tanned feet because he'd be sitting on a beach, you know, she, she was being humorous about it. Yeah. At this stage, you can be, but that, that, that plagued a lot of my, my siblings. I didn't have recurring dreams myself, um, but I did, I did find myself getting stuck into what had happened. That I was, so I was plagued by wanting to find an answer as to what happened. Are you still and there? Then, because we, I, I know on Monday, without it cutting across you, the theory of the drone no. still exists, but now they're talking about metal fatigue in the tail fin. Yeah, um, yeah, and I, and, and I, I, I listened to, 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 to the comments in, in the programme about, about the, the drone theory, and there's absolutely no way you can disprove it or prove it. I mean, there's a huge amount of evidence to suggest that that is true. Personally, the 2002 inquiry or the trawling through the evidence uh, laid that to rest for me, or rather, I should say, brought me to rest. I found that very healing in the sense that I suddenly stopped uh, looking for an answer. It wasn't that I had the perfect answer, but I, but I, I came to rest on it. And I think for a lot of people, that's where they're trying to get to. They're not trying to prove that it's true. In some cases they are, of course, but, but, mm. but eventually you have to come to rest, and mm. that brought me to rest. Is the drone theory true? Maybe. Um, I tend to believe more that, that, that it was a maintenance issue. Mm. Um, that would be my personal belief, but to, to prove either would be, would be difficult and unnecessary, I think. And what was also unnecessary was the amount of excruciating pain that <laughs> pilot captain Barney O'Byrne's family had to be put through, where oh. the public, or at least some of them, were horrid to the family, blaming him. That was dreadful. Yeah, I, yeah, I found that horrifying. And um, I did meet David, David O'Byrne at the 30th and saw him again on the screen um, yeah, the other night. Um, that, that, is, that, that was just harrowing, that, that, that somebody would walk up to his wife and strike her for smiling, for, for having a good time. Now, I understand that there, there may be reasons for it, but um, that aside, um, that, that, that must have been... That must have been Really difficult for her to handle. And your dad, yeah. he, he seemed to be kind of like um, a, a tornado of energy. A father of 12, oh. a very busy man, um, building tennis old, courts and yeah. football pitches and sailing <laughs> in Cork Harbour. Am I right? He never stopped. Yeah, he never stopped from the time he was a young fellow. I mean, I think he got something like 11th place in the leading search in Ireland. He wow. just performed. He never got anything but first in university. He was a ridiculous act to follow. 
and he, he, he got us uh, pigeons, he built us tennis courts and swimming pools and football pitches and he had us up Quran Tool. I was 10 when I climbed it the first time, I think about 12 when I climbed it the second time and we fished every river in Cork and Kerry. He was an extraordinary character. I have to acknowledge your mother as well though because she was left with the rearing in fairness oh, to her. She, she was, she was, a, she was a, a fabulous, she was a very stern woman. Um, uh, her grandfather or her father had charged a British machine going in 1916 <laughs> and uh, and that made him a tough man and and she she lived with this sort of iron-fisted um so so i found her tough but extraordinarily charming but she yeah. had to be tough yeah to survive all of that and she was left with 12 kids all of a sudden yeah you know. yeah i know yeah. i know it's good to remember isn't it and i thought it was handled very very you know respectfully in in, in the sense of hearing the backstories Do, should we now just put it to rest? Do you think that enough was done by the state? There was a lot of criticism of the of the dive and the search. I mean, one of the more extraordinary parts was Billy Bates, who knew all along, he said, where to be searching, but was prevented from. Is it time to let all that go now? Uh, for some people, yes. For others, no. Per- personally, I'm at rest in it, but I would like to see a different programme an investigation into why the maintenance records were missing, why the oh, aircraft weren't grounded in oh. 1967, why, you know, there are still a lot of whys out there. Should we answer them at this stage? The only reason I would do that is to agree with that man, uh, Byrne, I think he was the Aeronautical Association then. Uh, he, he was interviewed, I think that was a long time ago he was interviewed, but he said, look, the purpose of, of asking these questions is to ensure it never happens again. Yeah. So the answer to your question is yes, if it helps us to prevent it from happening again. Okay. Um, and, and, and that has happened over the years. Air, air safety is far better than it was. So maybe that's a good thing. Okay. Yeah. Listen, it's good to catch up with you. Regards to all of the family. I wish you had more time, but pleasure catching up. Thank you, Peter Walls. Look after yourself. Thanks, Neil. Take Bye-bye. care. Take care. If you haven't seen it, guys, you'll always get it on the RTE player. It was on Monday night, um, the documentary on RTE1 regarding those who lost their lives on the Cork to London flight, March 24th, 1968. Our lines will stay open. Text 0868 Pick up the phone on 0818 In fact, if you are listening and you are a family member of somebody who uh, lost their lives tragically on that aeroplane, I'd also love to hear your story. So get involved. Indeed, if you would like to um, get something down on paper or ink, electronic email, neil at redfm.ie. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts.